Hey, this is Robert Rodriguez, and I broke the internet with Spider Gwen. You're listening to the Lemon Comics. <laughs> Daffarina, wouldn't that be kind of, that would be the name of your love child. <laughs> Daffman. Daffola. <laughs> you got that Rob Schneider in you. The circumcised hey. Sicilian. He's a funny man. Yeah, but looks hard over. <laughs> David has this huge hard on for Schneider. No, I know. I, it's not, it's not a huge no, Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> One time he put, oh, look at this. Here's a list of people that are funny. And Rob Schneider. Well, it, was, uh, it was a benefit. And you had like a whole, you had like half a dozen comedians. And, and it included Rob Schneider. He was part of the lineup. And I'm like, so, you know, here, go see this comedy show out on the West Coast. Don't in for a good cause. And, and see a bunch of comedians. And Rob Schneider. And, and, <laughs> and, and so, so Vince was like, um, but he, he, he didn't, I mean, the only reason he's actually even thought of right now is because he was in a State Farm commercial for one night, and then when they decided, and then when he opened up his mouth about being an anti-vaxxer, State Farm canned he him. Is? Yeah. Oh, boy. So, he's an anti-vaccine dude? Yep. Oh, so my God. These he, people are absolutely fool. Like, to be imbecilic. It's, <laughs> it's, really are. And dude, fucking, oh, like, fucking Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg married fucking Jenny McCarthy. I know. It, it, well, it's I'm like just say, there's one anti-vaxxer that I would tolerate, and it's Jenny McCarthy. Not because of what she says or what she of does. How she, she looks. Yeah, it's insane. They are they are fucking nuts. But he, but once um once that interview came to light, and in State Farm was just like they were getting a lot of feedback from people who saw the commercial because they're like, how could you? And they were just like, listen. I mean, normally I'm sure a company. I mean, Affleck did it with um. Gilbert Gottfried, but you know, I'm guessing State Farm was like, listen, you know, we're getting a little bit of blowback for shit that we have nothing to do with for this one character who who was doing the whole copy guy shtick for a commercial, and, and it's like, so it ain't worth it. So they canned him, and, right, and that was right. it. But <laughs> his performance in Judge Dredd was masterful. Now, the only thing I really saw him that I enjoyed him in was uh, Necessary Roughness. Uh, Benchwarmers is the best. It is the best. Uh, we, my, me and my kids watch that movie all the time. They love it. I'm sorry. Are you? But you don't, you don't have to be sorry. All you have to do is sit here with us and listen, cause this is 11 o'clock comics, episode 339. Awkward. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I was somewhat confused, Vince B. Uh, best way we love you. I am, I am a rather giddy cause I'm talking to my boys, David A. Price. And saving the citizens of Acropolis, I am Haggard West. Wow. No, you're not, Haggard West. You're Jason Wood in the house after a busy, long, very hectic week. Long we're all week. Together. Yes, thank It is. God. Sup, y'all. And no, ending it on no. a high note, though, if, if, if all goes well tomorrow. So on at least hiney. in this house. On, well, yeah, definitely on a hiney, but yeah, on, on a high note. Speaking wow. of hiney, I'm not mm-hmm. drinking Heineken this week, but, oh. but, did you guys but, see uh, that the uh, that Guinness has come out yes! with an American blonde? Lager? I, I yeah. saw that and I'm like, I, I, Guinness made a beer I might actually want to try. I'm gonna have to get up on that. I'm gonna try yeah, and get some yeah. for next week. The minion said it was pretty good, but Southside Eric, our our uh, our, our brewmaster, our beer aficionado, who of course hooked us up with uh, with some beer C2E2 a few ago, um, he uh, he says it's it's okay. But um, I guess he tends to lean more towards um, 
Brooklyn Brewery's um, blonde style lager, but I I'll, I'll give this a shot. I don't like the dark stuff. I mean, you guys know I'm not a big beer drinker, but I'll I'll give this a shot. Yeah, hmm. definitely. Yeah, and you don't have to trash your format to get cheap comps. <laughs> right, you don't. All you have to do format. is head on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can reap massive, massive discounts on your favorite funny books and collectibles, such as, and this is the last time you're going to hear this because it is the end of the month, people, so pay attention. From Image, you can get a bundle, four books, $6.74. The books in question, Bitch Planet, number one. Rumble, number one. Graveyard Shift, number one. Noticing a trend. And They're Not Like Us, number one. Now, the cover price on these things, I think, is like $13.49. Your price, $6.74. Unheard of. It's amazing. From IDW, it's Cortal Maltese, Under the Sign of Capricorn. This is the first of 12 volumes. It contains... Uh, let's see. These were done in the 70s. So it contains The Secret of Tristan Bantam, Rendezvous in Bahia, Sure Shot Samba, and others. This Hugo Pratt stuff is awesome, and you need to check this out if you haven't. Um, Paul Pope cites uh, Pratt as one of his influences. You will, too. And from Bergen Street Comics, it's Copra, Round 1 Trade Paperback from Michael Fife. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Cover price, 1995 What's your price, Jason? I have no idea. $10.97. Sweet. That's 45% off. DCB Service does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books all packed up nice and secure and delivered right to your house without moving a, well, you have to move a finger at least, but you don't have to move your butt because they are the best. DCBService.com. Dude, my DCBS order this past month was Ginagamus. I know. I, I me, me too. And it, you know what it's from? Ordering the damn singles. You got me back buying more singles too. But for <laughs> me, it was the, I had the, uh, I had the two Avengers Omnibu. I had another big hardcover. I don't remember what it was offhand, but I think I bought, I think it was an absolute. There's some absolute that came out this month that I wanted. They resolicited the Howard the Duck Omnibus. Did you order no, that? I already have that. I already have it. Okay. Now, let's not play around here with the singles. Isn't it just more fun to read them that way? I know it requires extra work and you got to stick them in bags if you're, you're so inclined and you got to buy boxes and store them. But after subsisting on trades for like a long time, that, that love of the, the episode is rekindled for some reason to me. I like to read them in, in, in pieces. And then later on, if the story warrants it, I'll go back and buy the trades. I'll double dip. How about that? I do read, I mean, obviously, especially digitally, I read a lot in, in the single issue format. And there are times where I will let some titles pile up and I'll, and I'll shock on them. I may not read exactly what a trade would consist of if, if I waited for that title's trade to come out. But, mm-hmm. um, I do like reading the issues as soon as they come out. There are some where if, if I wasn't really feeling the previous issue, I may sit on it and and let a couple pile but i mean right. i'm i'm there with you i i do like the 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 collected format but no i, I it's it's always i've always been a big fan of of the single issues and it just so happens the books i'm really jonesing on now include the single issues of these books include material that you aren't going to get in the collected editions mm, right so we'll talk more about that later but yeah i get the feeling that jason is barely tolerating me right now i don't know why what do you mean 
I don't know. I don't know. It's just Whoa, like, dude, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Jesus. I'm redonkulous. Wow. Now what? What are we drinking? Who are you asking? <laughs> we collectively. <laughs> All at once. once <laughs> All right. I'll start it off because I'm the low man. I'm drinking Diet Coke. I'm right there with you, player. I'm drinking Diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Um, you're drinking better stuff than I'm drinking. Mm. Yes. I should have stepped off and picked up some Dr. Brown's cream soda so I could, you know. Could have oh, really, could have really got this party started, but no, I am <laughs> sipping on some Redwood Creek, and for Vince, it's Cabernet Sauvignon. Yo, oh, nice. That's odd. I gotta thank you. Do you? For the first time in a very long time, it I think. It's been a while. Okay. I know. It's been a while. Um, I have to thank Mr. John Wimmer. Oh, he's yes. Evil. He uh, pinged me on the Facebooks, and he's like, "Send me your address." I was like, "Why?" And he said, "I want to send you something." I I ordered it, uh, I, it's not what I thought it would be, and now after perusing the book, I can understand what he was talking about. Okay. Um, it is Jack Kirby, A Personal Look, oh, by right. Jer- yeah, by Jeremy Kirby, mm-hmm. which I think is his grandson. You gotta be a huge Kirby fan to, to get off on this book, because there is not one line of Kirby art in this entire thing. It's basically a family album. You get pictures of Jack with the wife, pictures of Jack as a young man, a middle-aged man, an old man, uh, pictures of Jack's uh, kids and grandkids and the w- pictures of Jack at the table, drawing and stuff, but holding up his artwork. So there is Jack artwork in here, but it's not like reproduced mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. And then you get the meat of the book is a huge stage play that Jack wrote about um the frog prince or something it's the entire play on on typewritten typewritten on um uh paper and it's just like they're facsimiles of this this screen this uh stage play i appreciate this because i worship the dude but i could see where someone who was not you know yet captivated by the magic of kirby would be like what is this this is like looking in some this voyeuristic Mm -hmm. right but i appreciate it and i love it and thank you john you're you're a good man it will increase my knowledge of the, the best man he in is comics man. ever. Yes. So there you go. It's my thank you. Nice. Yeah. Feels good. It wow. feels good. Uh, 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 uh. We got to talk about a lot of comics, man, because we did the whole con wrap up last week. Oh, yes. And I, I think it was like not having sex for a week. We all, were all like ravenous when we got back. We read so much. It was like and, pent up, man. It was like a... Yeah. We we, we had... Map of we the had Philippines the, on, on the wall. The, Comic equivalent of blue balls, but even better, we read a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, we did. We, we did. Yeah, which is rare, I think. No, well, because I, I like the top shelf stuff, and you're cyclical, all like down in the gutter. Yeah, that's that funny. Um, we <laughs> no, I think you're right. It, it, it's definitely cyclical, but there are times where one of us will read something, and then a couple of weeks later, we'll be like, "Hey, I read what you were talking about," and. We may touch on it, but we don't. And sometimes, like Vince will even remember that we talked about it. Before. Right? Yeah. You know, that's 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 rare, but yeah. So <laughs> it's it's true. Sometimes I do remember. But David <laughs> David left me at a cliffhanger today, and, and I want I, <laughs> I I want to know what happened because I do too. Um, because I you the the page you're alluding to, I assume because of the way you alluded to it, it involves uh-huh. some kind of horrible death to some kind of animal. So then when oh. I saw what the reveal was, I thought, if this is any kind of significant reveal, then I am suffering from not being a, a seasoned Deathstroke fan. Because- I, think, I think Vince's thing is that um, 
I don't like complaining about mobile. I, 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 I do not, um, I'm not keen on, uh, mm-hmm. fucking with the status quo. If, if, yeah. if shit works, if that's the way someone looks, you know, then, then, then why, why mess with it? If that's mm-hmm. what works, if that's, you know, why would you do that? And, and, and Vince was funny because he's like, oh, I got a Punisher vibe from it, but, um. Didn't you? I, I didn't. I didn't be, really? no, because, because I don't know anything about it yet. It's still a mystery. You get to that. Uh-huh. I mean, what we're talking about is the first issue of the new Deathstroke written and penciled by Tony Daniel, uh, and, um, inked by, uh, Sandal Flaro. And it, it's, um, it looks, it looks good. I, I, the last thing I think I read that Daniel worked on was the first issue of Detective Comics, and he also, no, he didn't work on Hawkman. That was Tan, right? Yeah. Okay, so Detective Comics number one with with Joker slicing his face off. That was pretty much the last thing I remember reading uh, that was that had anything to do with uh, with Tony. So I figured it's Deathstroke. Big Deathstroke fan. I just like I read the first issue of Lobo because I'm a Lobo fan. I will check this out, and uh, and and I am glad I did. I uh, it's it's. You know, it's not the Deathstroke from the Marvel Wolfman series. It's not the Deathstroke from the New Teen Titans. It's it's still similar, though. I'm, I mean, it's 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 the New Fifty Two Deathstroke that we loved from Higgins and and mm-hmm. and, and Bennett and and uh, T Bear, and it's um so it's that character, and um it, it, there's there's a lot of um monologuing going on. It it, it really is just there, there's a lot of uh, Slade just thinking to himself, which is fine, and and it's uh, it is a it is a graphic comic book. Uh, uh, Tony is taking that rated teen to 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 as far as it can go, and and I have no problem with it because of the character. Uh, but um, something happens at the end of the issue where it's uh, it. I don't see this is this is why I am not jumping off a cliff and I am not jumping up and down for joy because. The way it ended, I don't know why this is what happened. I don't know if if there was a mind swap. I don't know if he is actually young. I, there's just something going on where and and if I with slight spoilers, then um, well, we we should set it up for them. All right, if you want to go into it, yeah, we can. Well, it's, actually, it's a very before you before you spill it. How okay. did you before you got to that last page, Jason? What did you think about it? Uh. Well, no, I, I I thought I agree. I thought the art was was good. Uh, it was very graphic for a DC yeah. book, um, which was fine by me. Obviously, it, that doesn't bother me. But I was surprised by it. Um, I thought it was a little. It was a little formulaic in in in, in it being a first issue setup type of a thing uh, with the with the, the monologue and him telling you who he is and that sort of thing. I, I, I thought it was kind of by the numbers on that front. I, I don't think Daniel's a very good writer, so I wasn't, I didn't go, I, I didn't go that. into this thinking this was going to be groundbreaking stuff. Um, uh, I, I little bit, little bit puzzled by the, again, this is me not knowing the character as well. I, I, I never realized he was a metahuman. I thought he was just a badass. I didn't know that he, no he had healing powers. Yes. Uh, that was, um, he he basically he was he was very similar to to Captain America in that regard. He he was uh he was picked to basically take this super super soldier serum 
And okay. that's what gave him his enhanced reflexes. It has kicked in a healing factor. Um, he's, he is quicker and stronger than your average bear, basically. But he, he is, I mean, it's not, he's not, a, he's not a metahuman in the sense that he was born a mutant or anything, but he, um, he was, uh, chemically enhanced early on when he was in the army. Gotcha. And, uh, the, and the reveal seemed a little, um, anticlimactic to me. And again, I thought maybe I just didn't know something about the character, but, but in essence, if it is what I guess you guys are alluding to it being, I don't, I don't really think it was much of a reveal. So other than just trying to reset the guy's age, I guess, but I don't know. So, uh, I would give it like, uh, I mean, I have a feeling I didn't like it as much as you guys. I thought it was a fine, very by the book, middle of the road, big two title. I just, it was, it's fine. I, I would, I could take it or leave the next issue. I, I certainly didn't feel, I'm not dying to see what happens next. Hmm. Okay. Well, I enjoyed it. Um, if, if you want to run down the checklist, I like the look of it. I thought the art was, was very good. Much, much better than Daniel has given us in the past. Not to say right. he's bad, right. but I mean, th- he has tweaked the style a little bit in recent years to be, um, more to my, my taste. Like I think the double page title splash is a great image. I really like that. I do too. I, th- I think it's well planned out. It flows. The the the, the uh, body language is dynamic. The action is in your face, and it just was well set up. So visually, I th- I liked it a lot. It held my attention, right? Which is is all I can ask. I I like Jason. I didn't go into it thinking, or like David, I didn't go into it thinking it was going to be, you know, like let's keep it in DC, like a Scott Snyder. You know, I, I was not expecting that that level of storytelling, but I was pleasantly surprised by how much of my attention Daniels held. I, mean, I thought it was it was kicking. You know, the the it, the story flowed really well. Um, like again, like David said, I was uh, pretty shocked at the level of violence in it. I mean, it's uh, especially when Angelica. Mm. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's just an offhand, like, yeah. and she's gone, you know? Um, or is she? But, um, we'll see. In a nutshell, uh, Deathstroke takes the contract in Russia. E- even though, uh, uh, Putin said, I would really appreciate if you don't come uh, back here. Right? Uh, but he goes back anyway. He's, he's after someone called the possum. And, and he's running this, this guy down and taking down, um, smaller fish on his way. And he's aided and abetted by uh, a woman and, and another, what, his new guy Friday, right? Um, to, to an extent. And then he runs into the possum and has a pretty easy time of it. We're, we're thinking because he's got the possum tied up, but the tables are turned, push comes to shove and something happens to Deathstroke where he's beaten and bloodied to the point where he can't even concentrate. And uh, there's something really metahuman going on with the possum too. Is that like a new Fifty Two character? I think it is. Yeah, I don't. Doesn't ring a bell with me. Yeah. Um. And someone someone helps Deathstroke at the end, but the manner by which they help him is is really strange. And like it it does to me anyway. It does smack of that era of the Punisher where Frank was not in Frank's body anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or or at least cosmetically, it didn't look like Frank. Right. So, I mean, that's just the vibe I got from this. All in all, it was enjoyable. I, I, I would not, you know, for three bucks, yeah, I got my money's worth. But, um, 
top ten? No, right? No, it was yeah, it was fun. It's all I can ask. For. It was. Um, I mean, I, I I I dig Deathstroke's look. I, I visually, it was an entertaining ride. Um, like, like Jason said, it's not. Um, you know, Daniel isn't on my list of 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 people whose whose works I have to read. But um, as far as when he, as far as when he draws the pictures, I it, it looks different than he has in the past. I, I like this look. Uh, the mm. last page, it doesn't it um, because it is the new fifty two. Maybe this is what Slade looked like back in the day, but it isn't as far as I know. I mean, it, it, oh, you're thinking some kind of time? I'm thinking. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm, think, I'm thinking it's a body swap. I don't. I don't think. I don't think this is a younger Slade. Okay. That that's me. Now, I mean, maybe next issue it, it is actually younger Slade because even though he hasn't always had white hair, um, I I think he he was a brunette. But it it was you know it, he you know he lost his eye because he was because um, his his wife tried to kill him and his reflexes actually kept him alive, but unfortunately not fast enough where he didn't end up losing his eye. But, uh, so, I mean, I don't, again, that's the other thing. Like if, if he went younger, I, the whole eye thing throws me for a loop. So I, I think maybe this is, I, I think this is someone else's body and I don't think it's, um, it's for any sort of, of, uh, long-term uh right. purpose i don't i i expect mm-hmm. well it is comics right? right no but i'm not saying i'm not saying this is the new death stroke you know they're going to run it for a year i i expect him to be back uh by the end of this arc if it ends in a few issues i don't that that's my thinking right now see one of the things that i thought daniels did was really smart was that he established early on that slade is an older gentleman yes where he doesn't like when he when he accepts his contracts, he doesn't like to leave a digital trail. Right, like everything every, is he, personal he likes, and paper. Right, he likes pictures yeah, and paper. Print that bitch out, and I'll I'll do the job. But don't be sending me emails or, or JPEGs and stuff. You know what I mean? I want it. I want it old school. So early on, he established that Deathstroke is is a man of vintage, right? right. And then to the at the end of the issue. We're led to believe that this man somehow is, is in a younger body. Right. Now, and these days everybody's all about the diversity in comics, you know, more female characters. Let's, let's get these female title characters out there. What about older characters? Like, is it such a bad thing that Deathstroke is nearing 60? Yeah. That well, I mean, right, right, why, right, right. why not? Yeah. You know, if if the 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 goal was to turn back the clock on Deathstroke and make him younger, I'm going to call foul on that, because like youth is not. I think one of the things that makes Death Deathstroke special is that he is an older dude, right. and and he's best he's besting all these kids. Yeah. Like, it, it's tough to beat Deathstroke. But you know, it's in this this first issue, which you know if. It, I don't know if their plan was to. It's a first issue. I don't know if we're past the age of it's a first issue. People are going to pick up an, an issue with a number one on the cover. I don't know if this was supposed to attract new readers because it had a number one on the cover. I don't know if this was for the Deathstroke fans, but there was nothing about in the issue um, that I could tell that had to do with the previous New 52 series 
or anything he did before the new 52 as far as facing the Titans right. and stuff. So this is, you know, you, you, it's, it's a good jumping on point, but like Jason, who's not a big Deathstroke fan, you know, you get to that last page and, and you may just get to the end of it and be like, okay, now I want to know what this whole thing is about. Or you could just be like, I don't know who this is supposed to be, so I'm kind of left flat. Right. That's all well, it was. I, I mean, think... I, I thought, okay, if this is just him getting swapped into a younger body, then kind of getting at what you guys are both alluding to, I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, one of the cool things about Slade is that he's an older dude and he still kicks ass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I mean, is just if that's what they're going for, they're just trying to revitalize the character. It doesn't do anything for me, especially because they put him in a body that's the the most obligatory uh, carbon copy. Yes, yeah. It's it's a super in shape young dude with blue eyes and black hair, which is basically a white Lobo. It's, you, you know what it's it like reminds 60% me of? percent of the if you took the costume off of sixty percent of the right. Marvel and DC male superheroes, that's what they look like, right? So I'm wondering if if maybe because if if my thinking is that it's a different body, then then Slade's whole thing is he knows himself. So if this is if this is a different, I mean, now he's got he's got two eyes again. If this is a body that's not enhanced, that doesn't have the reflexes, that doesn't have the healing, then he's starting over from scratch. So, base, so again, it's just that's you're, true. You're dropping his his head. It, it's it's Superior Spider-Man. You're just dropping someone's head in someone's body. Yeah, so, but you know what I hope Daniels does, and it would be really nice to see this. Where let's keep it in this body for an arc, and have Deathstroke realize that. Those creaks and groans and, and, and just, um, underperformance of his older body was like that muscle memory mm-hmm. isn't going to, isn't going to work in this young right. body. Like he's totally off and That's he realize, realizes that he needs that, that seasoned frame yep. to do what he does. Yep. And, and that would be awesome because you're, you're reestablishing the fact that Deathstroke kicks ass. And is an older dude. No, I'm I'm giving Daniel the benefit of the doubt by hoping that that's where he's going. Me too. But I mean, like that other book we talked about, and probably will in a couple minutes. I don't have a huge attachment to Deathstroke. I think he's a cool character, but you know what I mean. Something like this comes up, whatever. I'll I'll roll with it for a while. But I thought this last page was going to set you off because you did not like the the uh, revamping of Lobo. Right, but that's and and that is. I don't view that as the same because again, this isn't, this isn't the Deathstroke that took on the new Teen Titans that worked for the Hive, that, 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 that avenged his right. son's death. This is, this is, for all intents and purposes, a new character. So that last page doesn't have the weight that it would have three years ago. Right. If you saw this, um, the, end of the Titans hunt, this guy at the end of the last page holding up Deathstroke's you know, hats, yes. then you'd be then like, we would no. have, yeah, then we'd have words. What I was going to say before is the last page, remember those horrible ads? I think Marvel ran them, um, in the late nineties. I'm, it may have been for Axe, but, oh, was a dupe, and he had the three, the three hat. chicks in the circles. Yeah. Yes. And he had the, the shirt pulled up. <laughs> yes. That's, that me of. that's awesome. And that's not a- <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. Uh, so yeah, uh, good enough. We'll see where it goes, right? So, alright, so that, that was a great segue because now that we talked about one of my favorite characters, we can't talk about. Speaking of old grizzled 
killing machines. <laughs> yeah. One of Jason's favorite characters. We we all can see <laughs> the Death of Wolverine miniseries in its entirety, all four issues. Yes. And we, we all pretty much have varying opinions on that, that series. Um, I'll, I'll take the high road first and let y'all talk. I thought it was fine. Thought it was yeah, fine I, or fun? I thought it was fine. Yeah. yeah I, yeah. I, I, I think it hit all the right beats. Um, I, I, last issue, I wish he went out with a little more opposition instead of the way it happened, but, but still, I mean, I, yeah, I thought it, it, it uh, covered all the tracks, and it was good enough for me. But, again, not a huge Wolverine fan. You guys are, so I want to hear what you thought about it. Uh, let's see. Well, l- let's start with the positives. Uh, I thought McNiven looked great. I, I thought he- he's- his art looked fantastic throughout the whole book. And uh, so it was a pleasure to look at, for the most part. Um, but I just had huge issues with the whole series and not just because it's the death of one of my favorite characters. Cause again, I, I don't take any death very seriously. I know they're saying this time it's legit and it's going to be multi years until we see him again. And, and that's fine, but he'll be back. I mean, there's the guy's got what four movies to his name. Um, He's, he's marketable. It's, it, he'll be back in some way, shape, or form uh, in a few years. So I can live with that. I can live with that. But I thought it was just a sloppy, sloppy uh, book. And, and it made me wonder if, if Soul knew much about the character before he was tasked with writing it. Because it felt to me more like a guy that was was taking his big shot at the brass ring that Marvel finally gave him a high-profile book. And he didn't know much about the character, so he asked them to give him some back material. And he tried to hit on a lot of the emotional highlights of the character's history, but in a paint-by-numbers way that expressed to me someone that read the stuff in a official handbook of the Marvel Universe Index more than experienced it himself as a fan. And um, I just felt it lacked all types of heart. And and most specifically, there is a there is a um, a moment in the fourth issue which you alluded to when we were chatting earl- earlier today Vince where the villain uh, says who's about to die says well what have you ever done with your life what have you done with your life and screams it at him and then the next page is a two page splash that shows you memories of, of Logan's life and that should be a really powerful should be a really powerful visual cue right I mean People hearing that, you could be thinking, wow, that's a great idea. The guy screams it and then the next, the next turn, the, the page turn is a flashback of all these amazing moments from a character that has been in probably over a thousand issues in his existence. Yet I heard other people talking about this scene before I read the issue myself. And when I read the issue, I thought it felt so flat. And this is where I think McNiven's art looked great for most of the series, but I thought he completely unequivocally failed in those two pages because he gives us essentially rectangular six-panel grids on a two-page splash with lifeless headshots of different moments of Wolverine's life. There are a trillion ways visually you could have made that a more compelling uh, narrative. You could have had it in – 
uh, a tapestry of broken images, like a broken glass with different pictures. You could have played with the layout. You could have done a time sequencing. There's all sorts of different ways you could have packed that page in with these powerful moments from his life. Instead, we got, I think, 10 different rectangular headshot images of different parts of his life that were already really well-known and not necessarily dramatic. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I felt it lacked no, it had, it had no life. I thought the, re, the villain reveal was, um, was, was not only anticlimactic, but, uh, who cares? I mean, so the guy that gave him his adamantium has spent the last 30 of his life trying to redeem himself by creating an army of Wolverines. Like it didn't make sense. He's railing about how his greatest failure was creating this animal that couldn't be killed. And so he was going to redeem himself before he died. And he's redeeming himself by taking soldiers and then making them into killing machines. It made no sense. Like the, lo- the leap in logic made no sense. Um, yeah, I, one I, of the I, things I just had huge. I just thought the whole, I think, and 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 again, I think if you're gonna embrace the character, if you want it to be a poetic ending and that he goes out without killing, that could have been done wonderfully. But it wasn't executed well here. Yeah, he went out in the book without killing, but it wasn't because. He, he tried not to. I mean, Wolverine, he, he saved those soldiers in a, in, in a manner and killed himself doing so, but he was still walking out covered in adamantium trying to get to the guy. So it wasn't even like he was making the conscious effort that I'm going to die in peace or I'm just going to let, I'm just going to finally let death take me. It, it just, I don't know. I just felt it was clunky. I, I think all it did was reinforce to me that I do not understand the obsession people have with soul. I think he is as pedestrian as it gets. Among the big two writers, nothing special about him at all. Hmm. I just um, I was a little confused at one part in the series. All the um, objects that the the uh, Cornelius was was um, trying to uh, retrieve. What was the deal with the Hulk statue? Was that just to get Logan's attention? It was because all of the things it seemed were tied to moments uh, like the weapons. And, and the armor and stuff. And like he was stealing all these, these notable things, but then the Hulk statue. But I don't know. What, what, what was the deal with that? No, I don't know. I don't think it was well explained. Well, they, yeah. And they say it, they said it in, in at least, um, two spots, maybe two different issues, maybe twice within the same issue. I don't remember, but, uh, it's like, yeah, this guy is, is, uh, acquiring blah, 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 and a Hulk statue. And then and the, I'm thinking the, the, big, the big climax, right? Where, where Wolverine tracks the doctor down. And the doctor cackles and does the classic stereotypical bad guy monologue. Uh-huh. And then he says, Oh, and I'm glad you came to me because it saves me time and money because I'm he- I want your healing factor so I can finish making these soldiers. And then a cool part is Logan puts his hand, cuts his hand and puts his hand up on the, on the glass and shows him that he doesn't have his healing factor anymore. But what happens in the next page? It's as if the doctor's like, oh, okay, fine. I'm going to start the process. If it, it, so did he need the healing factor? Or didn't he? <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't the whole point he needed it, right? So that was supposed to be, that should have been the moment where the doctor realizes his plan is full. So he's like, I'm going to do the healing. I'm going to, I'm going to make these guys anyway. And then the other thing, which I just, and again, this is probably not Soul's part. I blame editorial for this. If you're going to make the death of this character and one of the main crux is that the guy that's doing it is trying to right a wrong by doing something that can't be done, which is make an arm, an, uh, an army of these guys that are soldiers, dude. I beg the editorial to go back into their files four fucking years to 2010 when Jason Aaron, who last time I checked is 
the top writer at Marvel, or at least one of the two or three right now, he wrote a fucking story of exactly the same thing. Wolverine Weapon X, the first arc of it, with Ron Garney and Jason Aaron, was called Adamantium Men, and it was about Wolverine being hunted down by an army of soldiers that had their bones laced with adamantium and claws. Four fucking years ago, this exact story <laughs> happened, and now we're supposed to... Th- like, So what... It, it, the doctor's aspirations weren't even special. It was done four years ago better by a better writer. Like, it just, I just think it's, it, look, killing him is one thing, but dude, like, I just think this was a waste of a major character's death and a waste of some great art. I, 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 yes. I, I think it was so not a, with. not a swan song for you. Not, not a swan song. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, I found the one part. Uh, the Ogan is talking to him and he says, Cornelius is going around buying, uh, Cyber skin, certain swords, a statue of the Hulk. I'm guessing it's just things tied to Logan's past. Right. Like Logan is will always be tied to the the Incredible Hulk. Sure, sure. Just right. just because that was his first. So I'm guessing that that he was just trying to you know tap him on the shoulder. Hey, it's me. Yeah. You know. So the uh, there were some some neat moments throughout the series, but when I think about how the series started, we we. We get, we start with Nuke, who, as, aside from Wolverine Origins, it's not like that's what I'm saying. So we right? have Nuke, who appeared in Captain America, and then died in Captain America, but yet here he is here. So we have this, and this is Soul coming over from DC, getting a big Marvel gig, and having very little history with Marvel. And then, so I mean, and, pulling and up characters and saying, Fry. oh, okay, I could take this dude from Origin. I could take Viper from the Marvel Comics Presents because they were married. I could, and, and without any context. And then he did that, and then he did, there were those six issues with Kate Pry, that miniseries that Al Milgram did. Yeah, that, right. that's, I'm not, the, the, the things were just, it, it wasn't, um, you know, when, when, when Vince asked me today, he was like, well, or, or the other day about, about the whole thing with, with Mystique and, and Creed, I'm like, Dude, don't don't make me go back and, and read earlier issues. I just I I'm just also, trying to get through it. We're, we're going to nip like the Kitty Pride thing could have been so cool, right? Because yes. she shows up and 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 it, and it harkens back, like you said, to a fun limited series where uh, I always thought to me Kitty of all the the female ingenue sidekicks that Wolverine had, I thought that he and Kitty had I, that was always probably my favorite dynamic. Um, but even think about that, she. She makes her appearance, and spoilers here, obviously, we're talking about, she makes her appearance by phasing into Lady Deathstrike and blowing off her hand. How could she do that? Lady Deathstrike's hand and claws are adamantium. If Kitty materialized inside her hand, Kitty's hand would get cut apart by the adamantium. Kitty doesn't have the power to destroy adamantium. She can phase inside those things, and when she materializes... She can destroy mechanical things. She can't destroy adamantium. Her hand would have been cut to pieces. It's like it's like I know it sounds nitpicky. No, super I, I'm with you. But it's like if you're gonna play by the rules of what these characters are, then play by the rules. I mean, she 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 could have had Kitty reach inside of Lady Deathstrike's head or chest and materialize because, as we know, when Kitty's phase and she reaches through machinery, the machinery gets fried, and Deathstrike being a uh, a cyborg. You could have he she could have fried her by sticking her hand through it, but to have her materialize in her hand to blow her hand and claws off it makes made it cool no visual, sense. But it just right it it looked great. It wouldn't work. drew yeah. his ass off with it, but it made no sense. Right. Yeah. One of the parts with the uh, Kitty Logan thing that was shocking to me, but 
it showed that the writer had absolutely no understanding of the relationship between the two characters was when she had Ogan in the kitty body kiss Logan. Mm-hmm. That, that was right. just wrong. Right. It's just completely wrong. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like Abby on, uh, S, not, was it SVU? NCIS kissing, um, what's his face? Mark Harmon. It would just never oh, happen. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because they're like a father daughter. Right. You know, it, it was just creepy as hell. And maybe that was the, what he was going for. If he was, then, you know, mission accomplished. But I just thought it was icky. It's not. It, 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 it worked in the sense, the only thing I'll give the, or one thing I'll give the, the miniseries is that it was a, um, it, it was for the most part self-contained. Nothing, aside from, you know, Creed running away, I can't think of anything that, uh, that you would need. I mean, you can read whatever they have at the end of the issue where it says, you know, when you can continue the story about everybody mourning the loss in, in these issues, but you can collect, I'm not saying this is going to be a wintergreen book, but you can collect this and, and have a complete story because here's Logan at the beginning of the book and he sees Reed who he's exhausted all other options. He sees Reed reads like, listen, this is what you can and can't do. And then, Logan doesn't listen to reason, does everything he's not supposed to do, and then you get to the end where he's a kneeling statue, and and that's that's a, a beginning and an ending for for this story. I'm definitely not for this character, but mm-hmm. for this story. So at least you have that. You don't need to like in in five years somebody can go and and tell the story of the helicopter pilot who got away. And, and, you know, they can pick his brain as if there's, you know, some, some way to bring Logan back. It, it, whoever wants to go through and, and in between the panels and retcon shit and, and make sense of it, have a field day. But as far as these four issues, if, if someone's like, here, you can read a complete story. I'm not saying you can read a good complete story, but you can read something that has a beginning and ending. Uh, they accomplish that in my eyes. It, it's not a, yeah. it, it's not a, a well-told story. It's not a. Um, it's not a story that uh, that is. Of, of, I mean, we've already had. I shit. I would rather read Old Man Logan. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Oh, I, I don't agree. think. It's, I think that was a much more entertaining story. Yeah, and I, I don't didn't think finish it. Be an, an evergreen book because aside from, I mean, there's nothing notable about it aside from the death. I mean, that's the whole reason for it existing in the first place and and they accomplished that but other than that it it says nothing about the character that isn't hasn't already been said in 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 more you know accomplished series like claremont series even kitty and wolverine w- was a better focus on wolverine than than this thing I have, but and we've had we've had wolverine the end we we've had the end series of of books that marvel put out a few years ago so i mean we've we've been we've been told future or or ending Wolverine stories and and unfortunately th- this isn't like this is a a story that could be Wolverine's final story this is this is what's happening right now in in modern 616 continuity so uh yeah. they I'm not saying they, they they painted themselves in a corner that they can't get out of I'm sure there there are plans in place but it it's uh it it didn't end on a high note for me it it didn't uh, it didn't leave a great taste in my mouth yeah, but from a casual observer standpoint, it was okay. 
Yeah. I mean, whatever. Well, and I, I listened to another podcast uh, that uh, I, won't, I won't put them on blast for this. I, I generally like the podcast, which is why I listen to it. But they're relatively younger readers. By younger, I don't mean chronological age. I, I just mean in terms of their experience with comics. Mm-hmm. And they gushed about this series, especially the fourth issue. Like it was mm, like fucking like like. Uh, like Pulitzer Prize winning, and and I just don't I don't understand it. So so, but maybe to your point, Vince, maybe if you just maybe if you just view it as a story about a character that you you only have passing familiarity with, it 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 came off as fine. So yeah, but but am I wrong in thinking that if you're going to give us the death of one of your top five, and I'm saying top five in terms of popularity and marketing and all that. I'm not saying it's, it has to be anyone's particular top five favorite, but if you're going to give us the death of one of your top five characters, it should be – we should expect then that it, it it's – you strive for it to be evocative of the character's essence that we know so well. Or at the very least, give it to someone who has written and knows the character. Right. Give it to uh, – you know, Jason Aaron could have killed this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right? I mean he's written how much Wolverine now? You know yep. what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Should have gave it to Frank Miller so it got done right. <laughs> I, I don't think Frank's strong, strong enough to hold a, a, a pen anymore. He looks like he could use some healing serum. <laughs> Not cool. Where did that regen serum come from? Was that just like a a, a recent thing? or is it, Has that been around for no, a while? Or? I think it's a MacGuffin just to, for the okay. sake of the, sh- of the series. Thankfully, it's fluorescent yellow because we know if it's fluorescent yellow, it's got, it's got to do <laughs> yeah, something. Well, it was fluorescent yellow, so we would see that he stuck it in the three bodies as he was leaving the room. Right. Yeah. And let's keep in mind, he had the money to to somehow find a a gigantic oil tank vat full of adamantium, but he <laughs> was he was he was praising the fact that he didn't have to spend all the money that he didn't have on on tracking down Wolverine across the world. Those, those yeah, not knowing are, that he didn't those have private jet tracker. flights are way more expensive than. <laughs> Procuring the most rare television <laughs> on earth. You did. <laughs> uh, I, I, part of me almost wishes they went, uh, against expectations and did a story totally removed from this thing where they didn't have Kitty or, you know, Cyber and Cornelius. Like, let's just do something totally unexpected. What, it, what that could be, I don't know, which is why I would want it. But, um, just something against the grain and off the cuff and just like ha- make it have meaning, you know, uh, in, in terms of the character. This was just it was just OK. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not fitting. Like you said, some character who is very much alive in the heart in the minds of like millions of fans. Well, that, right. That's the thing I mean, with that flat with that splash, the, the two page splash that's supposed to be this powerful Slap in the face of the doctor who says, "What have you done with your life?" And the pa- these two pages are supposed to be the "fuck you" to that. The what really? This is what he's done with his life, and it's just—I thought it was executed just so poorly for a guy that's you—you—you you, you, again. You had a thousand plus issues of stuff to draw on, mm-hmm. and 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 even if you wanted to throw in some things that weren't iconic to the average reader, you had at least a hundred issues of Origins, which had him. At different points of his life before he was next, you know, that, and before he was a superhero and ranging from the wars to Majapur to Japan. I mean, there's just so much they could have done there and just yeah. laid it out in such a different way than to give us some rectangular boxes. I don't know. It just, uh, you, I gotta say, I feel your pain 
because I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. If this was the uh, the curtain call f- or the 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 you know the the end scene for Peter Parker or or say Ben Grimm, I would be royally pissed. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah. exactly. It's it's uh, and it's and it is not. Uh, oh, I'm never going to see this character again. I assume we're going to see a ton of them. In fact, based on the solicits, we're we're going to see tons of books with him in it as flashbacks and you know other people carrying his mantle. So, so it's, we know he's not going away, but, but it's just that again, if you're going to put this out as this big deal, I just, I compare, like compare it to, to when, when Thor got killed or even Captain America got killed. And obviously the irony there is that they're both back stronger than ever, but, but, but the, those were better stories. They were better executed. They had more gravitas, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, this I, might be better than death of Superman, but, but I don't know that that's saying much. The, this um death of wolverine i'm being facetious that, oh yeah no yeah. i don't think so yeah so you know what i think we chewed up enough time talking about <laughs> something y'all didn't like sorry Let, let's <laughs> let's talk about something we did like okay. and I, I i do believe we all read this and again i think our appreciation varies but most of us at least appreciated it is that safe to say i am talking about cowl oh from yes from, from Image Comics. It's an acronym. C-O-W-L, which stands for the Chicago Organized Workers League. Yes. And it was written by Kyle Higgins and Alex Siegel. Illustrated by uh, Rod Heiss. Yes. Um, yes. Additional art by Stéphane Perger. Perger. Uh, Trevor McCarthy did the covers. I, I think this is important to cite the design work of Rich Bloom because it's a really sharp looking book. I think... Uh, we read the, the collected edition hardcover, which reprints Cowl 1 to 5, and like I said, it's published by Image Comics. And the hardcover, the feel of this hmm. is, I, I just, I can't stop molesting this book. Yeah, it's got that tactile, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's like a, a clay. Yeah, almost rubbery. Clay. It's just like, well, not just like, but it's very similar to the covers on the new Marvel hardcover. Okay. It's true. Yeah, but um, let, let's let's do the the lowdown. The, the cowl is essentially a. Uh, they're formed in 1949, post uh, post World War Two, post World War Two, and it's it's a, a group of supers. Uh, some of them actually have superpowers. Some of them are just really super at what they do, like Batman. Um, uh, but they're funded by the city of Chicago, and it's set in 1962. Right. So this is many years. The organization has been in business, led by a man named Jeffrey Warner, who is the elder statesman of the group and a one-time war hero and um, a Depression-era superhero known as the Grey Raven. And uh, something happened to the Grey Raven sidekick Sparrow. <laughs> And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But so, so Jeffrey Warner runs the group and the, the, the focus of, of this team is to round up these villains called the Chicago Six. Real nasty bunch of villains that has been plaguing them for decades. And as the book opens, they get right down to the very last villain, Skylands, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it does not go well. They get, they get them. But not without a lot of pain and a lot of destruction and I'm assuming some people die. So the city of Chicago, who has been in contract negotiations with Cal, use this 
as a point of strength and say, well, you know what? Uh, you, you got all the bad guys. What use are you now? Let's, let's work with this. And main idea here is the, the Chicago, uh, the city of Chicago wants a more active role in Cowell. They want to help, uh, secure members. They want like veto rights. If you pick someone we don't want, it ain't going to happen, you know? And, and Warner does not want it. So, um, I don't know how much of this I want to reveal because there are things, there's a lot of things going on in this book. Yes. Most of them behind the scenes. So, uh, I think it's safe if we just say, we just uh, go through a list of the team members just to give them a taste of this book. You got a guy, um, named Reggie Davis, whose code name is the Blaze. He used to be known as the Blue Blaze because uh, he was a Marine in World War II. And he finds this German, um, uh, uh, a gauntlet that, um, channels energy. And so he uses it to help the, the, the Allied cause and gets a reputation. The war is won and he takes this, this blue blaze persona back to Chicago to fight crime. That's respect, right? Mm-hmm. You got a, a Sue Storm like a look named Catherine Mitchell who goes by the name of Radia. She's gorgeous, um, young, uh, well-to-do, uh, girl next door type, uh, who also, so also, <laughs> she is, but she also happens to be a very powerful tele- telekinetic. And this is the, the, the crux of her character because she's so beautiful. Men kind of lowball her. Yes. They, they, they judge her on terms of her appearance instead of what she can do. Like she can give you an aneurysm, uh, as easy as looking at you. And that never factors into it. Like she's just a hottie toddy and men are like, oh, don't, don't, don't worry yourself, honey. You just sit there and look pretty and let the men take care of it. And that freaks her out, mm-hmm. pisses her off to no end. Uh, my favorite character, and I think David's and probably Jason's was the mastermind detective, John Pierce. Yes. This guy's awesome. Um, he, let's just say he's the Batman, of, the James Bond of the group. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. He's an ex CIA dude, uh, brilliant mind. Uh, pulls pieces together. He's uh, part profiler, part strategist, part um, like he's working out everything. He takes all this data, running it through his brain, and he he's the one who noticed, hey, that weapon that uh, Skylance used in the beginning of the book. Well, he doesn't say the book, but you know what I mean. I've seen that before. Where have I seen that? <laughs> and it just so happens that Cowell weaponry or at least cowl experiments are being channeled into the underworld from someone and that's where he saw he's like what R&D made that so how did this 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 bad dude get our tech where is it coming from and he starts to get on the case and and it, it takes him other places John Pierce is also one of the few in the book with no powers Yes, and he's one of the good guys. Yes, in ter- like personality wise, he's an honest, upstanding, you know, forthright dude. You cannot say that about everybody in this book. So they, it ranges from lazy to out and out scumbag, murderous scumbag. You know, so there and and that's the good guys. Uh, speaking of scumbags, there's a dude named ArcLight, uh, Tom Hayden. He's an uber patriotic asshole uh the dude was exposed to radiation i'm assuming in chernobyl 
because the specific location, there's a bunch of dossiers in the back of the book. It's all redacted. It's redacted. You can't see where he got, he got the room. But I'm assuming because he hates Russians with a passion, which could be, judging from the time, we're talking 60s, could be um, a product of the Cold War. I mean, if you were uber patriotic, you'd hate Russians in the 60s too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he has, he can fly. He's a genuine superhero. Um, at least in, in, in theory. He can fly, he has energy blast, he's very powerful, but he's a whoremonger. Mm. He, he likes the ladies, he likes, he likes to go to the, yeah, he, he, he frequents these cat houses and, um, often takes it a bit too far. He smacks around the girls and does other nasty stuff. Um, there's a sharpshooter on the team too. That's his skill. He's an expert marksman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have a code name. He's, he's just known as Grant. He's not powered. Yeah, Grant Marlowe. Oh, I noticed who's, that. Who's, uh, with... who's son's an asshole? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But he's young. He'll grow out of it, hopefully. hopefully. I, you know, you bastard, I just noticed that. The only people with code names are the ones with, uh, superpowers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you dick. I did not <laughs> notice that. You're, Holy crap, I feel pretty. like such a dumb, I feel like such a dumbass. You are pretty. Uh, one man with a code name, Eclipse. <laughs> Uh, his name's Carl. Uh, he has the uh, ability, kind of like Leech from from X Factor. He can disrupt uh, superpowers. I like Carl. Yeah, Carl's cool. Yeah. Little overweight. Little overweight. So he's perfect for me. Yeah, Chubb yeah Rock. This, that's one of the things. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of Harbinger a little bit in that the fact that the the creative team was not adverse to an overweight dude. Being on the team or, or, you well, know, uh, NYPD looters, obviously, you know, after a while, you don't have to go through the, the, the exercise requirements to keep the job. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, the, the, um, art by, um, Rod Heiss, Rod Reese, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought it was amazing, but you have to admit, very, very influenced by Bill. Oh, Sinkevich. there's a lot of Sinkevich. Abs- that was the anchor I was going to say. Absolutely, it's, it's huge Sinkevich uh, and a Mike Huddleston vibe. It's it's from that, yeah. that 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 camp. Some of the sound effects, you you would swear Sinkevich wrote them in his own hand because it looks like yeah, Sinkevich yeah. style. But that's not a drawback. No. I mean, it's very, very. It fits. Accomplished. It works. The the book is extremely accomplished well, visually, and, and, and it makes sense, right? Rod Rice is a long time. Uh, comics pe- uh, co- colorist, and mm-hmm. I don't. I assume this isn't his first illustration work in comics, but but this is the first that I can recall seeing. And my understanding is he just did very light pencils on the pages and no inks, and it's all done with coloring. Mm, so, okay. um, oh, kind of like Freddie Williams. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be. Right, you're not going to be. You're not going to be looking to, to scan these pages from an OA dealer. Uh, okay, they're not. The, most uh, of the work is done in, in color, but well, it is a team effort. So more more props to them, right? Uh, well, he he I, it too, right? Yeah, which I guess would he did the whole thing. Why the word balloons okay. aren't outlined? They're they're just the white word balloons on the panel. And the the uh, additional art by uh, Perger Perger, I thought those pages were amazing. I, I love those pages. Yeah, I would like to see an, an issue or two from him. Because very different in style, but still very, very compelling stuff. Um, all in all, I, I, I thought this book was really fun and really interesting because, and Jason said to me, 
you liked it because it was talky as hell. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I did. I, you know, and I didn't even There's notice not it. Not a ton of action. There's action, but it's not, it's not your typical superhero comic book. Right. But it's, it's kind of the, there is action in it and it's huge, big bada boom action, but it's interspersed with our intercut. Yeah. Contract negotiations. Yes. Usually would be like, which of course is you know, exciting as all hell to Jason. Right, the kiss of death. <laughs> but I no, I thought it was extremely compelling because the characters are so damn real. The uh, the the, the Perge pages uh, remind me of uh, Trevor Hare's sign. Yes, good call. Yeah, they do. They do. They really mm-hmm. do. You're right. Um, uh, there's also some. Um, there's a mob boss in this book named Camden Stone, mm-hmm. and. I, I guess it's kind of like the Superhero Registration Act, where if you have superpowers, you have to be on the grid. They like the the city has to know where you are. And um, Camden Stone is using supers as his uh, like enforcers in the mob, and that's not kosher. So where's where are these supers coming from? Why does this mob boss have supers in his employ? Who's allowing this? That that plays into the story as well. There, like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. The uh, this this book is I don't I don't say this often. It's not something I do often. I'll, I'll usually you know I'll, I'll finish a story or an issue and and file it and be done with it. But just and I'm noticing this because of the map that is broken down at the start of the book that tells you the patrol districts for everybody. But mm-hmm. this, um, I definitely, uh, I, I, I see me rereading this from time to time. This will get pulled off the shelf. And I, this right up there with, with, with the, uh, with the Grendel series or, or Dark Knight Returns. Wow. This, I will, I will, Holy I will reread. Shit. I could probably reread this once a year. Yeah, I, <laughs> seriously. I, no, I, no I don't know. I don't know if I would rank it with those books. No, yet. no, no, no. I'm not saying it's on that level, but those those are books. Those are titles that I do reread from time to time. Right, right. But as, in terms of um, rereadability, I completely agree with you because I read it twice, and the second time around, uh, see, when I went into it, I didn't know it was an ongoing. I thought, okay, this is, you look at it, and it doesn't say oh, the hardcover. Oh, well, it's got a one on the spine. Well, yeah, I, but it, I didn't I know notice that. Um, and and like, there's nothing other than the one on the spine. Thank you, David. <laughs> there's nothing to indicate that this is an ongoing. It doesn't even right. say on the back, like you know, collects issues one to five. So I thought it was finite. I went into it thinking, all right, it's I'm no, gonna get yeah, it complete. Because it doesn't say to be continued or anything on the last page. Wait, but I'm glad it's an ongoing because you know Wait, what that means. Ongoing. I didn't realize that either. Yeah, what what that means is there's more of it. To come, so that's awesome, and uh, it's it's Ooh, so immersive. Maybe it'll though. be a couple of years later. The yeah, the the amount of of footwork that the creative team did is just crazy. Like David said, there's a map in the beginning with. Does Siegel uh, live in Chicago, or Siegel? Because I mean, it's it obviously it's the Chicago's organized workers union, but I mean there is a there's a um, the map is. Um, the central, north, northwest, south, southwest, west well, side. Well, the city in the in the comic is definitely Chicago. I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if sixty. So it's a it's a period piece. Right. 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 But um, and also there's like we said there's dossiers in the back on the characters where information is revealed, backstory that they don't touch upon in the in the book. Like um, I don't want to 
spill the beans, but there's an interaction between two characters where uh, something is is um, said where, well, he doesn't like you because of something that happened in your past. And you're thinking, okay, maybe we'll see where that happens. Yeah. And, and you read the dossier in the back and it's like, holy crap, no wonder this guy doesn't, you know, this person doesn't like this other person because something happened, a big to-do. And it's redacted, but you could you could make sense out of it, you know. You, you put two and two together, right? Um, it's just, and there's um, the paintings on the very last page. I think are amazing. There's there's paintings of each character, um, uh, just you know, full body shots, and the the personalities are are all there. Like Pierce's, you know, it's a confident dude. He's got his leg crossed behind him. He's he's not he he's he's very sure of himself. You know, it's it's just a great. Um, it's a great package. Ice, I just... No, it's a, it's a great icing on the cake, really. When you get this much added information to what already was a pretty, you know, I thought riveting story. I was like, I'm turning the pages, trying to read it, you know, get all this information, and then I I gave short shrift to the art, which is why I, I read it again, just to see if you know, uh... there's anything I missed. And there was. You miss a lot of stuff first pass. I think if I read this in singles. I wouldn't have appreciated it as much because I wouldn't have remembered from issue to issue okay. what went Look on. Look at that. You're praising singles at the beginning of the episode, and now you're saying collected editions for this. I'm an, well, for certain things, yes, it works. I absolutely better. agree with you. Yeah, yeah. No, I think this was um, definitely a great start to what um, will probably shape up to be a, re- a really great series because the first book is kicking. I uh, And even... Even the small, the short time we have with some of the characters. I mean, um, when you have, uh, Carl and, um, and, and Grant in a car together, it's, you know, they're, they're partners. They give each other shit. But then when you have, uh, Carl and Radia in a car together where he's basically, um, giving her grief because he, uh, he was hoping that the, um, that the Cubs, was the Cubs or the White Sox? No, no, it was the White Sox. They went to Kaminsky. Uh, you know, he was, uh, basically telling her that she could have used her powers to, to push the ball. Yeah, he wanted to. Like everybody in Chicago's dirty, yeah. even the superhero. But it's, it, but I mean, just, just the, the interplay between the characters. It, it's, you don't, it's not like we've had decades of, of Thor and, and Captain America shooting the shit or, or, um, yeah, you know, Batman and Superman. This is, I mean, we we got to know these characters over the course of a few issues, a handful of pages, and and you, um, there's there's definitely, I just I, it felt like this book has been going on longer than it actually has. I was right. That's a good point. You're right. You're right. And um, again, there's not there's some bad blood between some of the characters within the team yes. too. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, you have to experience it. I, I want yeah, to say no, that. Yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I definitely don't want that. There's a, there's, after I got to that part in the book and, and, um, when we were on Messenger, I, I was, I was extremely pissed when something happened and. Yes. <laughs> so I was, oh, he's not. I'm like, I didn't even, I didn't even imagine that, but I'm like, that was just, that was, that was a dick move. I don't know where it's going to go from here. And, and I don't know if I'm going to wear a hat for the rest of his life, but I'm just, I'm, I was, I was not happy. And which was, which was exactly the emotion I believe that, that, that I was supposed to feel. But it's, uh, no, I, I definitely, I mean, I, I, this is, 
it may end up somewhere on uh, on the eleven o'clockers, but it's it's a book I'd recommend. I definitely if if you, I don't know if someone says, oh, I want to try something new, and this is this is what I'm into. I don't know where. I would say read Cal, but if someone says give me something, give me a recommendation, I Cal's getting thrown out there, whether however mm-hmm. it fits in whatever parameters you may have. Yes, it it definitely is a a bunch of notches above the standard uh, big two fair. I mean, I don't want to call it adult, but it is. It's it's complex. It, I I hesitate if I gave this to like. You know, a 13 to, to like say even 16 year old, I don't think they'd appreciate it. I was going to say, I think it's yeah. boring. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, our old grizzled dudes like ourselves, hell yeah. I'm really, really surprised, Vince, that Radia isn't your favorite character in this book. No, I like her. It's but Sue Storm. I, think she, I can't, like, it's, it's Sue it Storm. Is. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, she's a, a beautiful yeah, really. blonde woman who's got the ability to, she's a, a for all intents and purposes, telekinetic, but she's a super powerful one. And, and my favorite part of the book by far is, is the way that Radia is handled because it's 1960s Chicago. Mm-hmm. And in spite of argue, at least as far as what we've been exposed to so far, she's the most powerful person yeah. possibly on the planet. She's completely dismissed being people grab her ass. They grab her without, without asking for pictures. They call her doll. They ask her for petty favors. They, don't they want to do pictures of her in bikinis for photo shoots and interview the the males from the team to talk about what actually happened in the battle? Oh she, yeah, that she, they, I mean, they completely dismiss her as as any woman of that time would have been uh, as 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 essentially a a ornament and a sex symbol. When, but yet she powers through it all because that's the reality of the time she lives in, and yet has this underlying strength where she she knows that. No matter what they do and say, she is more powerful than than any of them. And I, I just thought yeah. that was beautifully handled by Higgins and Siegel. I, 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 I found her character to be very, very engaging. Um, yeah, but there was one section where you questioned her admission to the team as uh, meaning to say that it, there is an oh, issue yeah. there that maybe maybe she got on the team. Yeah, she through slept not, with, uh, that was that was yeah with Jeffrey, but that was quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I didn't put much stock in that just because that's, that's Jeffrey just making sure that, you know, you know where he stands in, on, right. on the ladder. Well, but, but I, I kind of take that from the, that's, that's a, a madman type of thing, right? You've got. Right. And got, speaking of, I she, mean, she I. Made, right. Coming up, like, and, and again, I'm she, she, like coming up in the, in it, she probably, I mean, I assume she did, right? When she was young, she probably yes. did what she needed to do to get to the position. And now she's older and wouldn't do that, have to do that again. Just like, uh, Joan, right, was this, sexual creature who slept with with Roger Sterling and Mad Men at the beginning of the series but but by the time we're in the later seasons she's a full partner at the firm and 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 stands up to herself and, and is no longer in any way shape or form uses herself for sex you know uses her her sex for for achievement so it's just i i i i think there's a journey there that could be played upon too but you're right i think that was more about establishing that this dude will will continue to do whatever he needs to do to make sure people realize that he's got the cards, that he's the boss. Right. Uh, and one of, one of the things I was glad they didn't uh, touch upon was uh, race issues. Right. Because uh, Reggie, uh, Reggie Davis, the blaze, he's yep. black and, and he's a world war two war hero. 
um, a member of the, you know, this visible super team mm-hmm. in Chicago and in, in the issues of the color of, of his skin never come into play, which was awesome. Thank God they didn't call him the black. I mean, the blue blaze was because the, the bands, the gauntlets give off that, that blue hue, but I mean, right, they, they right. didn't, they but, didn't go down that road of calling him the black blaze. And, 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 and Right. But if you're going to, you know, make the period true to, um, at least our history, that was a pretty tenuous time. Yeah. For, for for black people, but I'm I'm I was relieved that they didn't mm-hmm. go there because then it, it would just have added and too much. Well, I, I I I made a joke or comment to you guys about an issue in uh, that I, I am decidedly and any listeners that feel otherwise I'm I'm decidedly anti-union. Um, in spite of the fact my father was in a union and lives off of that pension, and our boy Dap is in a union, and lots of people I know are in unions, so I'm, I don't I don't begrudge anyone from being a part of one if it helps helps further your, your career and your livelihood. Uh, but personally, I'm I'm against unions in, as a concept, and um, so when I started going down this road, uh, I have to give them another bit of credit. I thought because of the largely liberal leanings of comics creators and the like that this was going to turn into a the evil man against the benevolent union story. And it's quite the opposite. It's, it's in many ways, uh, a condemnation of this union and how they're desperate to do almost anything to hold their union together in spite of arguably, arguably the society moving to a point where it doesn't need the union anymore. Um, and I loved that. I loved that it gave a balanced approach to the very issue that faces, uh, union discussions, uh, over the last few decades, which is that, uh, in some cases, the unions still provide a very much needed backbone for equality, uh, depending on, on the industry. But in other places, unions have largely become obsolescent. And I, I appreciated that Higgins and Siegel presented that aspect of the, of the discussion. And it wasn't a pure one-sided thing of, of union good, negotiators management bad. So, so kudos to him for that, because that, that was an unexpected surprise. And I think ba- the balance of it made the story that much better. Yep, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's um, it. I don't know. I it, this kind of fit a um, a hole. I didn't know that 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 I had it. It it just it scratched an itch that uh, it isn't like anything else uh, I'm currently reading, and and a lot of it is because of of, of what Jason just said. You know, you you would expect them to go down. A certain road and, and it didn't and, and it's, uh, it, it, somewhat refreshing in that regard and, and there are, uh, the characters feel, um, I, I just, the way they behave is, for a comic book like this, believable. I, uh, I oh, don't, yeah. you know, if, if, if Jeffrey acted another way, it wouldn't, it would, it, it would just, it would, it would ring false and, and he just, he, he fits that mold. I, Radia and I'm not the biggest fan of hers, but but did anybody get a, a January Jones vibe from her appearance? Mm. Well, the quaff is pure sixty, right? And to me, she just she's completely Sue Storm. That's I, I just I saw Sue Storm. From okay, Star- that's cool. Yeah. No, I, I'd I'd yeah. rather see Sue Storm. That's fine. I, it's just I know that you know Jones is in Mad Men, and and of course she was Emma Frost in First Class, so it's, it's mm-hmm. she's kind of in that era. But um, I'll I'll take I'll take Sue Storm. To me, this yeah, this fits this- into the Astro City world. This yes, is, yeah. this, this yeah. Busick, nice. This could have been a Busick 
Astro City Mini and you wouldn't have thought twice. I think it would have fit right in. Um, it, 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 it fits, it, it's a little less zany, but it could have fit into the Alan Moore top 10 world, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that, that's a little more out there and in, in his, the stuff he was playing with. So probably the Busick Astro City is a little bit more. But it is, it's, it's definitely a book that, uh, that I would see. It's, I, I, it's, I'm really close to saying it's, it's like a perfect image book because it's not something I could see from Dark Horse. It's not something I could see from Oni. It, it really kind of just fits in. I don't know where else we would get this unless, unless Higgins and company decided to like, you know, self-publish this. I don't know where I'd be able to read this. So, so thank you to, mm-hmm. to Image for publishing it. But yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's one of those things where you just came out of left field. I remember seeing ads. I, I would total surprise. I, I would see the, the cover of the, um, of the first issue. I would see in ads for, for whether it was spread or saga or any other image book that I was reading at the time. I would see that first issue cover, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm not getting anything from it. I don't know what I'm supposed to get from this from this dude this the silhouetted profile but um i really happy that uh that 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 ron recommended it and and uh and told us to to check it out because it's i yeah i i i can't it's 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 a book that uh that i i really am am glad i was introduced to yeah i um if i may one slight detriment i don't i while i do like the cover work by trevor mccarthy i don't think the cover set the right tone for the book Mm -hmm. definitely not the first issue right if you looked at the it 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 looks um not an not an opinion on the on the style of the art but from the very geometric very flat um limited color palette of the of the covers you flip that cover open and the book that you're you're graced with looks absolutely nothing in in any man in any way like the covers the the art is experimental the the second issue cover you you tell that arc light likes the strippers but that has nothing to do with the i mean that that may happen in the issue but that doesn't that's not that wouldn't get me to buy the issue Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't. I mean, because the covers aren't very exciting. They're they're very matter of fact. They 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 yeah. they highlight one uh, aspect of the series. And design wise, yeah, they're fine. They're really they're really good. But if if you're looking for a um, a nice um, you know uh, setting the tone for what the reader should experience, I don't think the covers are doing that. I think the 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 third issue cover. I like with Radia in the foreground with the rest of the team behind her. That's, that's not a bad cover. The fourth issue with, with, uh, Blaze and all the fists in the air, that's not so bad. The, the, the covers I think got better as the series continued. But again, like, like you said, Vince, I'd agree with you. They're not, um, the fifth issue with, uh, with Pierce and the puzzle pieces, that's not bad. But again, I'd, I'd agree with you. The, uh, they're, they're just, I, I yeah, I, they don't, they don't, they don't capture the, the feeling you're going to get. Right. And uh, again, not to, you know, slight the work of Trevor McCarthy. They're good images. I just don't think they fit the book to which they're attached. That's, that's, 
So, I mean, if you can call that good, as as single images removed from this series, they would be great. They're fine. But when you slap them on this book, I don't think they're copacetic to what's going on. That's right. All. Right. Yeah. But all in all, a winner. Yes. And I gotta thank, I gotta thank Ron for, uh, pointing this out to us while we were visiting the image booth at the, at the con, New York's, uh, Comic Con. He said, gotta try this. Sure enough. He was right. I mean, yeah, he was right. It happens. Once in a while. Broken clock stops clock, right? <laughs> 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 All right, Jason, let's, let's move this around. What do you read? Oh man, I read something on the flight. You guys know I was away on some business this week. On the flight home today, I read something that uh, knocked my socks off. Ooh. Yes. Uh, by first second. Oh. I haven't heard about them in a while. It is maybe the smallest format I book I've, I've, <laughs> I've ever read. I knew it. I am speaking of... The Rise of Aurora West. Mm. The the Damn. Battling Boy prequel. Oh! The Dildonator told yeah. me about this coming out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about lack of context for a new listener. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> There's a the man out there called the Dildonator? Frank, you told me about this book. So Battling Boy, which we talked about when it came out at Nauseam, it, it, the, it, was a, it won the Eisner for Best Teen Book. Of last year, it sold all over the place, all kinds of copies in all kinds of places. Uh, was the book by Paul Pope last year about a young god child who comes to the town of Acropolis, which is overrun by monsters. And as part of his quest to become a man, a man in god terms, that is, uh, gets into giant epic battles with lots of monsters, including Sadisto and his crew. So this is a prequel we we are introduced at the time in Battling Boy to the concept of Haggard West, who was my intro this week. Um, Haggard was effectively the the Batman of the of the world. He was the 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 he was human, but he was the hero, the crime fighter, the savior of the city. And by the time Battling Boy comes to the town, Haggard is, is dead. He did. Um, but this takes us all the way back to. The emergence of Aurora West, who is Haggard's daughter. And it is 162 pages. Um, it's black and white. And there are a couple things interesting about this juxtaposed against the first Battling Boy novel. Uh, first of all, Battling Boy was, if, was fully colored. This is black and white. Um, it's very much probably by design, although I haven't confirmed this. It's created to look and feel like a pocketbook that you would have bought off the rack in the 70s and stuck in your back pocket and handed it around to your buddies. And you might go into a library and find on a spinner rack somewhere all with the, with the, 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 the tops of the corners all bent from people bookmarking it. And it's just, just become quickly ragged because it's, uh, it's, it's newsprint and it's, like I said, it's black and white and it's small. It's a, it's a digest size book. Um, and, and if I have one criticism of it, it's exactly the same criticism we had collectively <laughs> about Battling Boy at the time, which is that the art is so stunning, but it's so detailed with so much action that the small format really does it an injustice. Yep, um, yep. 
it, it's like for a second heard our complaints about the first one and got really like f you exactly they made it smaller yeah. than battling point they made it black and white but that is a minor complaint against what is otherwise a wonderful book um aurora the book jumps through time essentially but but it does it in such an effective way that it's it's not hard to follow uh we're the the current story the current timeline of the book aurora is i'm guessing in her late teens early 20s she's an established heroine um she's she's trying to figure out what, what went on with with her past who she is um through much of it we are uh, at a point in time where she is younger than that she is spent some time as her father's um effectively the robin to his batman uh she's out fighting crime with him um they uh, they at this point in the time and again this is all prequel to battling boy acropolis is being overrun by monsters and it's an insidious thing these monsters are uh stealing children from their homes and have been for some time to the point where now there's a a, a citywide curfew because kids, if they're out after dark, are much more likely to get captured. Um, and as as much as Haggard is 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 fighting each night, he's he's losing the battle. He's he's not he's not curtailing the the spread of the monsters. And part of the reason for that is that during one particular night, uh, Haggard's wife, who was his crime fighting partner, is killed while he is giving an interview to the press. And he blames himself for that. And so he spends more than a year uh, searching for his wife's killer to no avail and becomes so obsessed with that that he uh, stops going on patrol each night. And it, it essentially lets the monsters run wild and, and, and get an almost insurmountable groundhold on the town, on the city. Uh, and then again, fast forward to the point now where Aurora is his, his new crime fighting partner and Aurora, um, she, she's, she struggles with her existence. She struggles with, with, her past and uh, her mother and the role she may have played inadvertently in her mother's death and disappearance. Um, the Haggard and, and Aurora get in a battle with a monster and the monster leaves a symbol behind upon his death. And the symbol is very familiar to Aurora and she becomes obsessed with the symbol and why she, why, why, why she remembers it. And she, does some transcendental med- meditation, goes into kind of a dreamscape and realizes what the symbol is and where she saw it. And it turns out that she drew this very same symbol on a wall in their house when she was four years old. Mm. And so there's a reason for that. And I won't get into what the symbol represents and, and how it ties back into her childhood, but, but it, it weaves this, this, this very almost tragic interconnectivity between her childhood and her imaginary friend at the time. And, and, and what becomes of her mother and then ultimately what becomes of, of Acropolis and the monsters who take it over. Um, the, the, the other aspect of this book that's notable is that, um, Battling Boy was written and drawn by Paul Pope, of course, a legend. Uh, we don't need to, we don't need to explain to people his greatness. This is co-written by Pope along with, uh, J.T. Petty with art by a gentleman who I was previously unfamiliar with named David Rubin. Uh, mm-hmm. It's spelled R-U-B-I-N, but I believe it's Rubin. Uh, I believe he's Spanish. And I don't know if you, got, if you guys have seen him before, but um, 
Yeah, I saw the art for this book as he was not as he mm-hmm. was doing it, but he would float images online as he was working up the characters and doing different pages. And I was like, it's oh, crazy. Man. It's crazy. He, yeah. he's, it, it's, it's, if you took, if you locked Paul Pope in a room with Jeff Smith, gave him a bunch of Spanish mm-hmm. fly <laughs> and somehow allowed them to create a genetic offspring, it would be Rubin. That's awesome. That is a really, really, really smart combination you just made because that's exactly what i see well i'm not calling myself smart but i'm calling you smart you're really smart um, jason because you no, agreed with me no no but no, I no, no. Yeah. no i i definitely see it because he does have the the the, the pope isms but it, they're more controlled and they're they're well, no nah, i don't want to say that they're more realistically mm-hmm, rendered mm-hmm. and and that like a jeff smith it's, you nailed it and that's the thing that's where i will say this i would i'm I do not want to convey what I'm about to say is suggesting that this guy is better than Paul Pope. That, that's not what I'm getting at. But because of his slightly cleaner line work and tendency to not fill the panels with as much detail, I think the smaller form factor isn't as limiting here as it was on Pope. Yeah, good call. Um, but it's a, just an amazing book. The panel layouts are fun. Um when she's when she's thinking back in time, he he draws the panels in interlocking puzzle pieces instead of grids. Um, it's uh it, the monsters he creates are just nightmarish. There's a um, uh, a female in this book called Medulla, like Medulla oblongata, and she's this mm-hmm. stringy fish-like, snake-like creature, but she's got this gigantic evil Cheshire smile and these eyes. She looks like um like a Dr. Seussian Grinch combined with Medusa. It's just downright nightmarish. And um it, Aurora is a, a, a interesting, intriguing character. She's confident, uh she's capable, um she's she's fearless in action but but full of of inner turmoil and doubt about her past and, 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 and avenging her, her parents and, and what her role is in all this. Um, I just thought this was a home run and it's, it's, it's part two. And what I think is going to be a quartet. I, I, I think the next one is going to be, um, the fall of the house of West, which is another battling boy OGN that will be written and drawn by Pope. And then I think this team is back for another after that. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the plan. So, um, yeah, I'll have to, I mean, again, it's, 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 and the best part about this, just like with, with battling boys, it's, it's a nine 99 cover price. So it's probably what, five, six bucks at in stock trades, Amazon. It was, it was cheap. Yeah. Yeah. So highly recommend. But the thing, the thing that I like about it is it's sized like a manga. It's mm-hmm. priced like a manga. You know, it's, it's just a nice little compact form factor, but it's about an inch and a half smaller than Battling Boy. It is. But. And nitpicky, I wish it was the same. It's size. a crazy good value though, right? That's 150 story pages for 9.99. Like you said, it's priced right. like a manga, which, which is, yeah. is tremendous value. Um. Yep. Considering it's all new work. You know, right, that's right. even more, more impressive. So yeah, I can't wait to get this. It's coming in my box. And, and let's hope that there is at some point a, an awesome oversized collected art edition of this whole, the, the quartet of stories once it's done. 
Right. I didn't notice when this was solicited, or I may have overlooked it, but I don't believe that there was a hardcover uh, companion to this like there was for Battling Boy. No. I think this is no. the only mm-hmm. Yeah, which is is neat. It that that's pretty cool cuz you know they're just that says to me we are all about producing this art. We're not going to stand on any kind of tradition or 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 any, you know, set format for these things. The 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 artist is going to decide right. what it looks. Like. That's great. Yeah. Can't wait to get right. this. I may not have to read it now after everything you you spilled, but uh <laughs> How's that feel, Vince? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> As I was just going to say, but but paybacks they are a bitch, right? <laughs> well, and let me just say that that uh the the none of the major plot points I gave away. Right. I I assumed yeah. you wouldn't. So you're you're but, still good. Uh, it does my heart good to to know that you really like this cuz then it makes me want to read it every, even more. I I tell you what this this Rubin dude Beast mode. What? Beast mode. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, this guy, yeah. uh, I went to his website. It's unfortunately all in Spanish. So I couldn't gather much. I mean, I do I, 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 translate. Well, I can't, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and I, I, I theoretically read Spanish, but it just was, it wasn't what I was like. It didn't, wasn't immediately illustrative. So when things like this happen, it boggles my mind to, to conceive that there is a, there was a guy this good out there and we haven't heard from him before now. Like, where has he been all our lives? Boom, now he's here. And you, and you look at this art and it's just like, oh, well, I'm, I'm certainly glad you're here. And now, um, you better no, stay around more, for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The, uh, actually, you ready for something that's going to boggle your mind? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I always. Okay. I read five, six issues of something that I didn't expect to read. And enjoy as much as I did. Tarot. No, no, but I did notice that a new issue came out this week, or was that just a variant? It was. It was. Vampirella. No. Stop. Because <laughs> I've read Vampirella in the past. I like Vampirella. It's it's Yay. written by Mr. Cullen Bunn, and it is the the uh, the art over the course of these six issues is uh, Dale Eaglesham, Rags Morales, and uh, Igor. Uh, Lima. I know what it you is. You know what it is. This is the new 52 first five issues of Sinestro and Future's End. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it is a, it is, it is really, really good. It is, and, and it's not, it's not, oh, it's really good because it's, it, Cullen wrote it. I like Cullen Bunn's work. I like, Sinestro. I, I haven't read a lot of the Lantern stuff in, in recent months, um, by choice. And, um, I figured I would, uh, I remember when Colin announced that he'd be taking over Sinestro and, or, or starting Sinestro when, when the series would launch and, and Ed Eaglesham was going to be drawing it. So I wanted to check it out. Um, and it is very reminiscent to the, um, the, the Doug Monkey Christian Alame a little cleaner, but it is, it's, it's that, that broad shouldered, uh, look. And, um, Sinestro is basically, the, the series starts off, he's, he's, uh, in a self-imposed exile, uh, but he does come back to the Sinestro core and, uh, Acrylo has taken his, uh, his daughter, uh, Zornik, uh, prisoner, hostage, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but Sinestro comes and, and, 
make sure that everybody knows that uh, he's the HNIC and uh, his daughter has not left to go back to the lanterns. There is a uh, there's an appearance in uh, in later issues uh, how Jordan shows up. Uh, because she does reach out to to the lanterns, Jordan is the one who uh, who answered the call. So there's some uh, there's some pretty good snaps between Jordan and Sinestro. Uh, Sinestro reminds us that uh, he is his his uh, Jordan is his truest friend and his greatest enemy. And uh, there, the art by Morales is is fantastic. The uh, the art by Eaglesham. Is great. The Future's End issue is, is set five years in the future. Uh, there are things that I'm guessing are going to play out. I, again, I'm not, I'm not real uh, clued in on the whole Future's End thing. I don't know if this is like if this <laughs> is like that old Stormwatch uh, stuff where they went a few months into the future when you caught up to that issue of Stormwatch and and uh, that would tie like they they jumped ahead to issue 21 and they were only at issue like nine and by the time you got up to 21 everything fit in all nicely so i don't know if what's actually happening in future's end is really going to play out in the next few years of sinestro if it makes it that long but uh it because there's only five issues of sinestro when we get to the future's end issue uh everything is still like real fresh and new so when we get when i get to issue six um We'll see if we're still cruising along on that, on that course, but it's, uh, it really has been a, um, an interesting ride. And, and of course, um, you know, Lisa has, or Lisa has, uh, she has, she's basically the, uh, living embodiment of, of, um, what the hell was Sinestro's book? The book of, um, it's not the book of Parallax, is it? Maybe it is, because Parallax does make yeah. an appearance, because Parallax is still, well, I'm not gonna give that away, but, uh. I like the fact that she's, uh, because I mean, when I, mean, I talked about the first issue, that was my favorite part was her. I mean, I think she's She is great. great. She is, she, she's, yeah. she's not his muse, but she's- No, she's, 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 um, bitchy to him. Like, she does not, everyone else, to a certain extent, at least acknowledges right. Sinestro's greatness, not her. She does not. And he, and, and he's like, you know, I don't, you know, he's, he even tells her, she's like, you know, do you trust anybody? You know, I mean, do you not trust your own daughter? And he's like, you know, you're, you're my most, uh, uh, valuable person to me, and, and I don't even trust you. But it, it's, it, it really is, you kind of get a, um, I enjoy the, the getting to know Sinestro and uh, more intimately. I guess it, it's just it, it's. Yeah. But I think is it, it, he's not exactly. Cullen's not the dude I would think of when when it's like you know we need to we need to write about the the greatest enemy of the space cops and it, the Bun is the six gun guy and 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 he's written Wolverine and and he's written Magneto and I don't know if if he's the guy I'd go to when it comes to. Uh, science fiction space tales, but he, um, he's not going to add it to park with this. And, and you, you know, I'm glad you said that because I once considered Cullen that guy who kept screaming. Remember way, way, way back at, um, 
C2E2. I think it was actually the first or one. Was it Wizard World? Or yeah, could it even it could have been Wizard World too when when Cullen was like the let's rock these tits guy. Remember he just kept saying that over yes. and over. Let's rock these tits. I think of him as that guy, and he never I he never ceases to amaze me. He can write anything. He's yeah. very versatile. He really is. He is, and and it's just like I um. I've, I've underestimated him a little in the past, but now having experienced everything that the dude has written, I, I I will, he astounds me just the, the versatility that he lucks out with some amazing freaking artists. And, and 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 he's a nice guy too. He's he's an extremely nice guy. Uh, the artists do do justice to his stories. Um, I mean, especially when, you know, I mean, he's, Eaglesham kind of has that, that that smirk that um that you know I, I know my shit don't stink look that that Hal Jordan kind of gives off which is the reason why a lot of people just don't care for the dude and mm-hmm. um Eagle Sham nails it and uh there's um and again I haven't read a Hal Jordan story in months so I don't know where he is on on the pecking order and, and I still hate the redesigns on some of the costumes the, the, the ridiculous unnecessary piping but there's um it really is it's just it's like why do you noodle with shit it's like what what purpose does that serve ask him uh, that's what i'm saying though it's like what it, these aren't pouches these are just unnecessary little extra it's like his pen slipped and he's like oh yeah it's part of the costume so it's um i i uh i i'll be sticking with sinestro for the time being i um who's that uh, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, this now, you know, I'll have to read the next issue of Lobo. I gotta see where Deathstroke is going. So, you know, I'm reading more DC now than I have in like the past two years, but. Long time. It's, yeah. um, you know, but Lovely no, I, 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 uh, I, I, I'm glad that, that Cullen is writing this. I'm glad that, uh, that I'm, I'm getting somewhat of a lantern's fix with, with Sinestro. It's, um, it's great. I mean, it's, and he's got the dudes who are kind of, um, I mean, they're still yellow lanterns. They are still, these are the dudes who, who, um, you know, they, they get off on, on instilling fear in others and, and it's, uh, it, they're not, it's not as gory or graphic as, as Deathstroke was, but these dudes still do bad things to other people and, and, uh, it's, um, and to see, you know, the, the doctor of the Green Lantern Corps, Sorenak, just have to kind of, she, um, you know, she's not, she hasn't left dad, but, and that's the other thing is, is that, um, because of Sinestro's whole thing was trying to, um, save, uh, Korrigar and, and that didn't really, I guess, happen the way he, he wanted it to. It did, things kind of fell apart. There are survivors of his home planet and, uh, he, I think that's another reason why his daughter is sticking around because either she doesn't really trust him to do what's right because, and that's, and, and when Jordan shows up, he's like, you know, so you're going to, you're saying you're trying to save these survivors of your home planet, but how, how far are you going to let them go before you, you decide that you're tired of watching them make their own mistakes and you're going to let them know how they should live their life. And, and so Jordan is letting them know that, you know, we're watching you. You have your daughter watching you and, uh, and you know, it's only a matter of time before you slip up and, and, uh, Sinestro kind of snaps back at him and it really is a, uh, it's, it's an interesting, 
just I, I like when when the villain kind of gets a title where where uh, we get some backstory on him, so that when the villain instead of just showing up in a hero's book and you don't you just know that he's the bad guy, he's he's his rogue instead of uh, knowing his motivations. And and I think I think Bun's going to be able to have fun with this and and really flesh out the character and uh and and it's not just going to be Sinestro showing up in a Green Lantern book and you're just getting it from Hal's point of view and you always just know that the villain loses and uh he's a sad sack now you just you you're getting some insight in what makes Sinestro tick and uh and why it would be a big deal when he faces off against the other lanterns and uh and if he fails, how what it means to him and 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 what else it could affect. So I'm 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 all for it. I, I thought it was a um, I thought the the art was fantastic. The Eagle Sham stuff is great, and like I said, I always like Rags, but it's uh, it's they don't. It's not like Rags is trying to draw like Eagle Sham. They they uh, they do have different styles, but it it still fits. It's not like, you know, it's it's jarring from one mm-hmm. page to the next and and even the Future's End issue was was pretty funky, but I'm um I'm ready for issue 6 to see where the, where the ongoing goes. But yeah, I I'd uh I recommend it. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, and you know, I give uh, Mr. Bond a little bit more love. He's worked at Marvel, he's worked at DC, he's worked at Oni. He's not one of those guys that I immediately peg as, oh, he's an X writer. Like, even though Hickman has done fantastic career making work at Marvel, Hickman's always going to be an image writer to me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Really? So it's just like, okay. so we, we, we name these in, in, I mean, mentally, we, we tag sure. these people with, with the company they, we feel like they fit the best. Bun fits all the companies. I mean, his work across the board, no matter where it is, has always been really, really good. So I, I don't peg him as a Marvel writer, even though he's done fantastic work at Marvel. I, and I don't peg him as a DC dude either. He's, he, he seamlessly worms his way into these companies, does great work, and it, it, the, the companies don't leave the mark on him. He leaves the mark there is what I guess I'm trying to so say. So where, where is, what, what company does Alan Moore work for? Alan Moore will always, and he's probably, if he ever heard this, he probably would cast some kind of <laughs> mystical mumbo jumbo spell on me and make me, you know, impotent. Um, he will always be a DC guy. I agree with you. Same with Morrison. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 But, uh, I mean, it's, it, it takes a lot for these guys and it's all imposed by our, our petty sure, little. Yeah. You know, it's just, just like Barry is my Flash, or who's who? Who's right? No, right. I get it. I absolutely get it. But Bun Bun is is unique in the fact that I I don't instantly peg him as X writer. I peg him as Colin Bun, which is saying something. I right? think so. Yeah, I do really like his work a lot. Yes. Yep. I like it a lot. I have a lot of things to talk about, <laughs> and not a lot of time. I, I think I overdid it. This I think week. you did. I think. Well, I know I did. I really did. I'm I'm going to save um the meat of of what I want to talk about for my in your travels and tease it and talk about it in detail next week. Our but, in your travels um, might overlap. Yeah, maybe. Um, I read a a 
a perennial favorite mm. this 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 week. It's it's a book I go back to a lot. Um, it's not a great story, but it's one of my all time favorites. Um, specifically on the strength of the cover. When I saw it as a kid, it just it completely floored me. Um, it's it's a Marvel adaptation of a, a Universal made for TV movie, and this thing came out um, 1974, and the pub the um, comic was published two months after the movie of the I believe it was a movie of the week uh, aired. the The movie starred uh, Bob Urich from Vegas. Uh, Clint Walker's in it, uh, Carl Betts from the Donna Reed show, Neville Brand. But uh, I'm probably, whoever has read this is going to get what it is based on this next line. It, it was adapted, uh, the teleplay was written by Theodore Sturgeon, which was adapted from his original novella. Uh, the comic, the Marvel comic in question was adapted from Sturgeon's novella by Jerry Conway. Another favorite. Uh, the, the pencils were by Dick Ayers and the inks were by Ernie Chan. And, uh, it, it, it appeared in Worlds Unknown number six. It is the adaptation of Killdozer. Have any of you read this? I have not. I don't. Do, have, so. you, have you ever seen the movie? Yes. It's, it's really bad, but, but as a kid, I love the hell out of it. All my friends love the hell out of it. And when I saw this cover, it, it was just like, oh my God, look at that. Look at Killdozer. It, it, it was so anthropomorphic on the cover, unlike anything you see in the comic, unlike anything you saw in the, 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 the movie. The, um, heirs drew the, the bulldozer with a serrated blade like teeth. The, the headlights were, were nasty, evil eyes. It was just an amazing cover. I had to have it. Um, back in the day, I thought the story was awesome and I reread it every year to remind me that, you know, those initial impressions aren't always the truth. It's not a great story. It's fun. Um, the, the, the comic is, is a lot more faithful to Sturgeon's novella. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, in the movie, the, the bulldozer, which is a, a D7 bulldozer, and that's really important, uh, because the, it's nicknamed, like the, the, uh, it, it, it's possessed. The, the bulldozer becomes possessed by what? Well, it, it's an electron based entity from a civilization that existed on Earth billions of years ago. Like the, these two, uh, one humanoid-ish, uh, race, and then they had this this electron-based cloud entities that that could, um, you know, worm their way into technology and machinery and 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 take control of it. And these these two races fought this bitter battle, um, and basically devastated the Earth, like boiling seas, cracked continents, just massive death all over. And uh, w- turns out that. The, the humans at the very last minute actually, I hesitate to call them humans, the, the precursors to our race found this element called neutronium that had the ability to block these, um, entities, but it wasn't good enough and everybody died with the exception of one of these 
cloud form entities, which found a cache of neutronium. And I guess it figured that since it was impenetrable to it, that it could somehow protect it. So it, 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 it went into the neutronium from, for some means and uh, over a period of billions of years got covered over. So when this construction crew in the present day gets to this island and, and they have to build an airstrip, the bulldozer, the D7 unearths this neutronium and the entity escapes and goes into the bulldozer and chaos ensues. I mean, it was one of those typical 1970s movies where, you know, um, there was one little hook that drove the entire movie. Not exactly a great movie, but a fun movie, a memorable one for me as a kid. So I always go back to this issue and, and readjust it. And it, it does. It takes me back to that day. Um, if, if there's a, you find a Marvel book with a 20 cent price on it, chances are I either have it or want it real bad. I mean, that's my zone, mm-hmm. you know? And the, the reason why it, the, the D7 is, is, uh, important, the, the bulldozer gets a nickname. The foreman doesn't speak Spanish. And the, the, uh, bulldozer jockey is and he calls the the vehicle a de siete meaning d7 but the foreman who who doesn't in, uh, understand spanish thinks the guy's calling it a daisy eddie mm-hmm. so the bulldozer is called daisy eddie for the the, the story that that's that's the the little tag they put on it but uh, it, it's pretty nasty for the time. I mean, there's people getting crushed and bulldozed and run over and, and dismembered, but you don't see it. It, it happens mostly off panel. Uh, Ayers and, and Chan, they do a great job on this. It, it's mostly interplay between the, the foreman and his workers. Like they begin, he describes, he sees the bulldozer killing people and they won't believe him. They think, you know, this guy's nuts. He's off his rocker. And eventually they get to the point where the, the construction team tie up the foreman because they think like he's the one that's murdering all these people and it's just not the mm-hmm. case. And most of the, it, most of the comic is just the interplay between the construction crew. The, there's one real hard ass who has it out for the foreman from the very beginning and he's the bad egg and you know, it, they, they play off each other. So it's mostly just dialogue and people talking, but Ayers and Chan do a great job with very little. Um, it's, it's like I said, one of my favorite issues and David get that, get this on the letters page. What's that? Right. On the letters page, there's a Marvel value stamp. Oh. Number 35. Kill Raven. <laughs> Those friggin' stamps. I, I, my, my older self wants to go back in time and punch my younger self in the face for cutting the damn things out mm-hmm. of the comics, but I, I soon stopped. Like I, I, I cut maybe about four of them and I've since repurchased unmarred issues for the ones that I did cut. But yeah, you know, back in the day you saw them, you just wanted to cut the things out. Cause I mean, they're stamps. They don't belong on a page. They belong on another piece of paper. Uh, but yeah, I love the Marvel value stamps. They're time machines. These, these 20, 20 and 25 cent issues to me, they, they bring me right back to the, the, the time where I first discovered Marvel and fell in love. And, uh, it's, it's a very inexpensive way to, to feel a little bit younger. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Worlds Unknown number six. The next two issues were awesome. They did the, uh, 
Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Mm. It was a two-parter, and then the series ended. So it couldn't have been that great, but I love them. So there you go. Yes. God bless Marvel. <laughs> what would what seriously, what would we all be without Marvel? It wasn't that the gateway for I mean all of us, right? Sure. And I mean how many how many millions and millions of people Marvel was the gateway drug? I'm sure it's true for DC Absolutely, too. It's an age thing. But, yeah. yeah. But Marvel was the underdog. They were the hot new cutting the new edge hotness. company. They were. Yeah. A long and, time and ago, think, dude, we're old. You're right. I know we're seeing some of that now. Uh, events notwithstanding, it, it seems that Marvel is is blazing a trail where, oh, well, dude, this it, is this it, when when you go down this route, this is when half our listeners start screaming at you because. No, I was going to balance it out by saying if this new DC news bear, bears fruit with the their DC wants to switch it up, they want to try new things. Yeah, I mean, let's hope right. Let's hope that it becomes something good of it. It seems like the uh, the. Corporate muckety mucks are seeing the interesting takes uh, and uh, try at least given the theoretically given the creators more freedom to to do the do. Let's hope they let's hope right. they execute against was, it. Yes, I was going to balance it. It's well, no, what I was going to say though is when you make a comment like that, I think it implies that you're saying that Marvel's more popular than they've ever been, and many would argue that's not the case. No, no, I so. wouldn't say that. No, they're not selling you know millions of issues. Yeah. Like they once did. It's true. But all right, and you know who has millions of issues <laughs> available to you for not a whole lot of money? Who? Discount comic book what service. DCB. I know they are the best. DCBService.com. Remember these specials because it's the very last chance you're going to have at uh, scoring them. Four image issues, all number ones. Get in on the ground floor. You could probably turn them around for a lot more money than what you paid here. Six dollars and seventy-four cents. Bitch Planet, Rumble, Graveyard Shift, and They're Not Like Us, all number ones. IDW, Cordo Maltese, uh, Under the Sign of Capricorn, $14.99. That's half off. Where are you going to get an IDW trade for half off? Nowhere. And Copra, Round One, Trade Paperback, Volume One, Bergen Street Comics in association with uh, Michael Fife, uh, $19.95 cover, your price $10.97. Just do it already. DCBService.com. In your travels, I'm going to give you a little bit of assignment because it is the month of horror. Uh, and, and this book, man, did it scratch that itch. It's from the amazing, and I feel perfectly justified in using that term when describing the work of these two men, the amazing team of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh, since the New York Comic Con, I have read the f- deluxe hardcover edition of Fatal, mm-hmm. and I do believe it has to be one of my favorite comics. Whoa, dude, what is going on tonight? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of disregarded their work. Uh, I yeah. love it, but I, I kind of, uh, uh, wax and wane on the work of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, mostly because they play in that, um, cloak and dagger, espionage, criminal element, uh, genre, the noir genre. And that doesn't always float my boat, but, um, I must be entering a more mature phase because I also read the fade out, the first two issues, and I thought they were amazing. Don't step on my toes, man. No, I'm not. Uh-huh. So, um, 
what I want you to do for next week, and I'll talk about it in depth because there's a lot of cool things about this this story, this fatal, very complex series, uh, spans a bunch of decades. Um, you need to pay attention to it. Uh, I want you to read or try at least to read uh, Fatal books one and two, collecting issues one to ten. Just go buy the deluxe hardcover edition. You'll get it all with uh, the uh, team's trademark chunky back matter, some of it. Uh, and the uh, Lovecraft name is dropped. Thank you very much. You get a cover gallery. There's sketches, etc. And uh, color work by Betty Brightweiser. Woo, mm-hmm. she's great. She is awesome. And this book is awesome, and you should read it for next week because uh, it's really special. So special. Yep. yep. Take it away. Uh, I am uh, going to go ahead and say that uh, I'm going to add to the Brubaker, Phillips Love. Um, and as hinted, I read the first two issues of The Fade Out, and mm-hmm. I am really – um, happy with with that. I um, I want so the third good. issue now. I am a fan. Uh, thanks to Renee, uh, who really uh, helped me get hooked with the um, with the early uh, talkies with with the movies of the '30s and the '40s and uh, early stuff from from Bogey and and William Powell and William Holden and this. This series, uh, takes place in the, um, the early part of, of Hollywood and, uh, the, uh, back when the sign was different. Hollywood, Hollywood land and, and you had, yeah. uh, so it, it's, it's a, um, and it's, it's the behind the scenes stuff. It's about a screenwriter and, and, uh, his, in air quotes, best friend and, and, uh, and, and their lives and, and the people who work at the studio, not so much the actors and the actresses, but, uh, the, the main character is a screenwriter who, um, who named names and, and, uh, one of his very good friends is blacklisted. And, uh, so that's, that's the era we're talking about, but there's a, there's a murder mystery involved and a cover up and, and there's, it, this really could be a movie that, 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 uh, that feels like it could have been played by by Humphrey Brogard as the lead, and I, I am oh, I'm all about. I know absolutely. I know you mentioned that, you know, you're a fan of the Thin Man, so you should check this out. There isn't, as far as the movies go, there isn't um, there isn't anything I see that uh, thematically. I'm not saying right. No, yeah, it's not like it's, it's a Thin Man story or anything. But no, I just from if if you're into those stories then then you could probably there is a movie um one of bogey's later movies uh where he does play a uh, a screenwriter and I, I that that reminds me of this a lot and and I was telling Renee about this the book and it's I believe it's something that uh that she would probably dig so once we get further along either after the the first collection or I I don't even know if this is a, an ongoing or if they have this planned as as a limited series but uh, whatever is collected, I, I'll, um, I'll pass along to her. Yeah. I know they're taking a break to do, uh, a criminal right. shot. So th- this may go like, say, six issues and then the criminal thing mm-hmm. and maybe they'll go back to it, which is, is, is cool. Um, yeah, I, I fear for Charlie. Char- Charlie is the screenwriter, uh, David yes. was talking about. 
and he is experiencing um, writer's block. He just just can't perform, can't can't dredge up the ideas. He's 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 uh, creatively impotent, and um, his best buddy, like David said in quotes, Gill, the the blacklisted man, the the shadow of the McCarthy era, is all over this thing. Um, he's a very good writer and has no trouble ba- belting out the stuff. So what they're doing is they they form this this partnership where Charlie takes the credit for Gill's work and you know splits the the because Gill can't find work right because he's he, he's 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 a commie sympathizer yep. and so um Charlie takes the credit and gets the money and shares it with Gill and they have this this kind of uh dark um bond going on um at least subversive bond let's not call it dark right. and and then the murder's thrown into it and it just it, it's it's an amazing yeah. amazing I mean, story I mean, I, the murder alone like with with Charlie trying to figure out why he was there. I mean, that alone would be a decent enough story. Yeah. But then he, he finds the, uh, he meets up with the, the head of studio security and, and reads the file on his desk. And, uh, um, the murder isn't made out to be a murder. And, and it, it's, it nice. really goes. And so, I mean, that alone. And then you have, you have, um, Flapjack and, and I want to know more about that character. There are just, there are, there are little things where even if Brubaker is just like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of sprinkle this dude in and, and he's somebody that, you know, you want to know more about. I mean, the whole, now you have the head of the studio and, and how he had, I guess, the thing for, for the starlets and it's just, right. there are, there are layers and whether or not, you know, things actually happen like this, this way back in, in, in these days in Hollywood land. It's, it's just in a lonely place is, is the movie where, where Bogey was a screenwriter. That's, that is definitely the type of, um, movie I picture where, when I, when I was reading these two issues, but, uh, again, it, it's another one where I, it, it's, it's mind your travels for this week. I definitely recommend it if, if, um, it's not, it's not um it's not criminal it's not incognito it's it's not uh it's 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 a different it still looks like brew baker and phillips but it is a mm-hmm. uh, it's it's more um true crimey kind of it it's 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 definitely a story that you would expect to read about or 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 bill curtis would would you know do it do a um documentary on it it is a it it's more real life than the other stuff that uh, that that you'd get from these two guys yeah and uh in the first issue there's a a text piece accompanying the issue called um the lonesome death oh, yeah. of, of of peg Entwistle by uh devin Ferracci. and the the events of the the uh story in the the from the it's text not piece, even so much perfectly. that it's 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 peg's story but that it's fatty arbuckle story also right and mm-hmm. there's a piece on fatty arbuckle in the second issue right. which which is i mean you you get so much in the singles that um yeah it's great to read these stories like i did in the fatal you know in one shot but i think the the more um Immersive experiences in the singles with with all this back matter. Come well, right. on, with the I mean, Brubaker just... stuff. I mean, always if, whether it was Icon with the criminal and and Incognito or or with uh, you know, it, it's you were always getting a ton of back matter back matter with um, with Ed's books. Yeah, 
And poor Charlie likes to hit the bottle. The he stuff. does. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, yeah. which is why he, they all he's do. trying to figure out if, if baby, you know, it, it's, he's the cause of all this. He is, he, he's a blackout drunk. It's not, um, it's not Freddie. Yeah. And when, what the, the thing I, I like the most out of it, it wasn't, it's not a story which, where you have the main character wondering, did I murder this girl? Did I not? He knows. Right off the bat when he wakes up that he did not murder this girl, but, but he still has to cover his tracks. Right, right. He's got to cover his tracks, but when he sees the official proclamation of her death, that's when you get the, that, that douche chill. Like douche something chill. is going on. <laughs> something <laughs> is going on here because they, they covered it up to make it look like a suicide and he knows that is not the case. Mm-hmm. So it's, this is a great series. Jump on this soon. This, the first issue is already in the second printing. Awesome. Good for them. Yeah. Yep. In your travels, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and talk about some games. Oh. Yep. Yep. Uh, it, two of them comic related, one not so much, but it, uh, it deserves to be mentioned because it's awesome. Um, first of all, really enjoyed playing through the second season of Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, cool. season two. Uh, which for those that don't know, it's a, <clears throat> essentially a, a, uh, it's as much a, a, interactive comic book as it is a, a video game and as much as it's more like a dragon's lair where you're, you're, you're doing some choose your own adventure where the choices you make affect the story and then you're doing some, some, uh, movement, some, you know, jump left here at the right timing or, press the button here just at the right moment. It's very evocative of the Dragon's Lair uh, format. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get the combinations right, then you you live to fight another day. But uh thought uh thought thought volume two just uh, season two just wrapped up and, and it was it was super engaging. Uh and it uh, picks up where for those that played the first season it's it uh it picks up where Clementine um, who's the the survivor of the first season uh, is is on her own, and she comes across a new band of people, and and uh, hijinks ensue as they all head up north to a a fabled supposed city that's going to give everybody sanctuary. So, um, did they release this in chapters like mm-hmm. they did the first? Yeah, five one? chapters. Oh, nice, chapters. nice. I I thought the first one was yeah, great. Yeah, the fifth chapter had came out pretty recently, so I'd, um, I I waited for the five to come out and bought them because they they just like the last time I they they sold the five. At a decent discount if you bought them all together. So, um, but yeah, very very fun. Uh, pl- plays really well on the iPad. Looks great. Um, so I, I shout out to that. Um, on a completely different uh, spectrum of the gaming world, um, Rovio put out the long-awaited Angry Birds Transformers. Yes. Um, it's not at all what I expected. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought it was just going to be another in the long line of successful. Uh, thematic Angry Birds, much like Angry Birds Star Wars or Space or Seasons, uh, where you just have the physics game of you're playing the birds and you're trying to knock over, uh, the, the different constructs along with the, the pigs. Um, in essence, it is that, but it's, it's a, it's in a Contra style first person shooter or third person shooter where you are, uh, a different transformer and you're moving across the screen from left to right, uh, in constant motion. And using your weapon to shoot out towards uh, almost three-dimensional but multi-dimensional uh, uh, constructs to knock over and defeat the uh, the different 
enemies. Um, you can transform into your vehicle. You can enlist a buddy. Uh, and there's the obligatory, you know, power ups and, and evolutions. A lot of fun. Um, played it for a while. My kids all have all been playing it. I will say, um, it's a bit repetitive, uh, in that there's a lot of in-app content that you can buy, but if you just want to level up, uh, naturally, they've really made it long in the tooth to do so. It, it takes a long time after the first few level ups to, to move on in the, uh, in the world and, uh, without paying money. So a little bit on the economic greedy side, but if you're patient and you just want to play for 10 minutes a day, uh, it's a lot of fun. The opening intro video and the, the screen, the, the, the screenshots in and out of the, of the levels are totally done in the form of the eighties, uh, yes. Funimation cartoons. So again, if you're our age and you liked that cartoon as a kid, then it's going to be extra sweet for you. Um, and then the last game that I wanted to shout out, and again, this one is not comic related, but I actually found it to be the most fun of the three, is a game. It's the inaugural game by a new gaming company. Uh, it's it's a, a bunch of head designers from Rovio, which is the, the company that makes the Angry Birds games. They left to start their own company, uh, and it's uh, the game is called Best Fiends. Uh, instead of Best Friends, it's Best Fiends. And in essence, it is a story where you are, um, you are, uh, taking a bunch of different, like, a bunch of different bug-like characters, and each character has a different power-up. And think of it like a Candy Crush game where you have a grid of things you have to destroy. And the, um, you're fighting slugs essentially. So as you destroy different different rows or columns or what have you, um, you take hit points off of the slugs. So it's a little bit of Candy Crush, but in a much cooler graphic setting. The, so it's a match three game? Yeah, kind of. But okay. the, like some of the bugs that you can control have can um, level up and destroy rows. Some of the bugs can destroy three by three squares. Some of the bugs can, um, can create uh, other chains of the color so that you can level, you know, you can get, cause there's, there's, there's chain bonuses. So if you, if you string together, uh, you know, 20 of the same color block together, you'll get, you know, that much more of a bang for your buck than if you string three, but, uh, it's, it's super fun. And unlike Angry Birds Transformers, it, it like all games offers in-app purchases, but so far you've been able to level up and get new powers and new bugs and get to new levels pretty easily without having to pay money. Um, so it's much more satisfying and you can power through it a lot faster. So I would definitely recommend that. It is free. Both both Angry Birds Transformers and Best Fiends are free um, and are a ton of fun. And Telltale Games Walking Dead is not free. It's uh I think it's like sixteen bucks for the whole if you want to buy all five episodes. Um so you know yeah, that's they eventually release them on disc okay. too. If you're so, so inclined, there you go. yeah. But yeah, it's a little gaming for that ass if you get a little tired of, of, uh, of, of, of reading comics. Speaking of games, one game I really have to get my hands on is that damn Deadpool game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear so much about it and there's cable, uh, content in it, so I gotta eventually get it. I heard it's foul as hell. Even, <clears throat> even Rob said, you know, that was one of the games that he was a little bit hesitant to let the kids play because it was just so okay. obscene. 
So I got to get that. If it's obscene, why don't I already <laughs> own it? Mm-hmm. Seriously. All right, everybody. Hey, I like the gaming talk once in a while. Yeah, you know. Good on you. Good on you. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, we hope you're here with us next week. 3D Cowboy says thanks for being mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And, uh, we, we can be found the same place you found this. And we will be waiting for you because David, say it. Vince loves you. He does. He really does. And so does David and Jason. And we'll be here. You go. Go have fun. Go read some of the books we talked about. Remember next week what we're going to talk about. You read that damn fatal because it's awesome. And read everything we talk about. Be a well read definitely the last. Yes. Love that. Cool. Bye. Peace.